And what is up, podcast people and soundtrack geniuses around the world? You are listening to The Soundcast, the official podcast of TrackSounds.com. This is episode 83, and we're talking about Star Wars The Force Awakens with an original score by John Williams. I'm your host, Christopher Coleman, and on the line tonight, we have a packed, packed Skype call uh, with several people. Let me introduce them to you. You know them all. You love them all. Uh, first up, we have our regulars, Edmund Meinertz and Marius Massilar, our regular Soundcast co-hosts. Welcome, guys. Good to talk to you. Hello. Hi. Hope things are treating you well. It's been some weeks since we've uh, been able to do this, so I'm excited to uh, talk with you both tonight about Star Wars a little bit. Uh, Also on the line, our first guest is one Mr. Doug Adams, who is the author of the music of Lord of the Rings films and an upcoming uh, book entitled Impossible Silence and also a few more, which I can't give you a title for because I don't know what they are, but maybe he'll tell us later. Uh, also, we have Kristen Romanelli, who's the managing editor of Film Score Monthly Online, which is fsmonlinemag.com. If you've never been there before, you should uh, check that out as soon as you possibly can, because it's an awesome uh, magazine. And also, Eric Woods, host of the Cinematic Sound Radio Show, which can be found at cinematicsound.net. Doug, Kristen, Eric, thanks so much for taking time out of your weekend to talk about Star Wars. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what else to do. No, that's, thank you is always good. And just as a footnote, Kristen says she has a wicked bad cold. Uh, Does that mean like it's a really great one and you're happy with it or? (laughs) Oh, if, if I'm happy with it, it's with its longevity. I've had it for well over a week now. Ooh, Uh, wow. Yeah, got hit at a cookie party. Someone brought their sick kid. Oh, nice. Don't ever go to parties on Star Wars week. I know. <laughs> or on editorial week. Oh, yeah. The, the last the last Film Score Monthly, guys, that was made on cough syrup. So <laughs> thank you, Musinex Fast Max. Mmm, yum. <laughs> um, well, we, we are all gathered here today on this honorable, auspicious occasion to talk about a John Williams original score, which we don't get to do very often. And even less do we get to talk about uh, a John Williams effort attached to Star Wars. Um, And that's all we're going to do this particular episode, because that's going to take plenty of time. And we're going to give you our non-spoilery thoughts on the film. Uh, We'll also jump into the score, of course, which I think I better just say there's going to be spoilers in that discussion. I don't think we can have a meaningful discussion about the score and not get spoilery. So once we hit that part, um, just know, and I'll try to remind you that the spoiler alert is on. I'll try to give at the very, very, uh, just before we get into that part of it, just maybe some, our general reaction to the score, which would be non-spoilery. And then if you haven't for some reason uh, seen the movie yet, that will be your cue to peace out. Uh, and then come back later after you've watched the film. Um, 
So before we dive into it, uh, let me just say thanks to all of our listeners, all the people who've who've uh, hit me up on Twitter and email on occasion to say, hey, where the heck is the soundcast? We miss it, blah, blah, blah. I really appreciate all of, appreciate all of that. It It is motivating. Um, and Star Wars coming was the was the tipping point. Um, so it's back for now, uh, for tonight. And uh, hopefully this episode will uh, satisfy for a little bit anyway. Um, of course, you can always contact us the same way that you always have been able to by email at soundcast.tracksounds.com. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail on our SpeakPipe widget on our site. You can hit us up on Twitter at TrackSounds. We're on Facebook. Uh, if you want to subscribe or you want to find the rest of these Soundcast episodes, you can do so on Stitcher Radio. It's on iTunes. We're on TuneIn Radio. We have our own RSS RSS feed on Track Sounds if you want to do it that way. And, of course, we're on YouTube as well. Uh, so with all of that out of the way, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to talk Star Wars? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Always. Good, because that's what we're going to do. Um, let me just get some of the particulars out of the way. Of course, Star Wars The Force Awakens released officially on December 18th, 2015, and the score also released the same day from Walt Disney Records. Uh, features the original score by none other than the five-time Academy Award-winning composer John Williams, uh, and it contains liner notes from the film's director, J.J. Abrams, uh, and, of course, this is the seventh episode in the Star Wars saga, the seventh of many, many, many more to come. Uh, by Sunday, by today, Sunday the 20th, uh, I saw on Box Office Mojo, it's already at 230, or estimated that it will be at $238 million domestically and $517 million worldwide, which is just insane. Um, and uh, some quotes from, from John Williams about... Uh, writing the music for this for this score. Uh, he says, uh, I love doing the Star Wars films with all their fanfares and flourishes. I actually feel as though I'm still in the galaxy far, far away. I really never left it, having worked on all of the films. I'm happy to be continuing to be a part of the whole fun of doing it. He goes on to say, this is new, this is different, but it's wed perfectly with the corpus of of what Star Wars is. I've been lucky in my working life, especially with situations like Star Wars. It's been a challenge and fun, and it's been a privilege. I don't think there's anything quite like uh, quite like it in the history of film. Uh, the soundtrack was released on the 18th. It's on Spotify. You can get it on Apple Music and Amazon. It's just about everywhere you could possibly want to listen to it. Um, so please go get it. Go listen to it. Uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens original soundtrack by John Williams, released by Walt Disney uh, music. All right. We've all seen it. We all have reactions to it. Let's start there with the film. Uh, and let me ask all of you guys, how did you see the film? You know, what kind of theater, what kind of sound? What was, was it 2D, 3D? Um, and I'll start with you, Marius. What was your film experience? So I saw it in 2D, uh, actually, which is odd because usually I, I opt for uh, for the full 3D experience. But in this case, the tickets were actually a gift for Christmas. And oh, so nice. I went with a group and uh, we did the whole AVX thing. But it was um, – um, oh, sorry. No, never mind. I'm, I'm lying. I actually did see it in, in 3D. 
Um, I just realized <laughs> the now. 3D it was must have been really, ex- really good. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, wait, I remember opening the glasses. So no, I lied. It was in 3D. Um, it was in one of the best theaters in the city. So I got essentially the, the maximum uh, possible cinematic experience, great seats. Um, and yeah, it was, it was good. It wasn't one of those situations where I think that the theater was not calibrated properly or anything like that. It was, mm. it felt, it felt like a perfect, um, theater experience, which mm. is good. Cause this is exactly yeah. the film that I would have wanted that for. Yeah. Lucky you, lucky you, uh, Edmund, you saw it in 3d as well. I did through no choice of my own. Um, unfortunately, the uh, English language movie theater here in uh, Berlin is being really, really irritating this year about not showing anything in 2D ever. Really? Yeah, it's a real pain. Huh. I, I had to see Mad Max in 3D. I had to see Jurassic World in 3D. There's a ton of movies that have been coming that have just not been getting an English language release in 2D, and it's really irritating. And I, I wrote, I wrote them an angry letter, and. <laughs> They responded and said, it's nothing to do with us, it's to do with the distributor. Oh. They're only giving us 3D copies of the film because it makes more money. Sure. Yeah, so they don't, is, So they don't, there's only one screen showing it, and it's 3D. And that's your only choice. Well, there's plenty of screens showing it. I mean, heck, Star Wars, there's like 15 showings but a day. But they're all 3D. Yes. Every, well, it's either 3D or 3D IMAX. And how was the sound? The mix? Um... Sound seemed good. I was kind of, I was, um, I was pretty far off to the side, and I was right below a bass speaker that had a bit of a crackle, unfortunately. Ooh. So every time anyone used the force, it start, it was like, <laughs> <laughs> there's cracks in the force. It's never good when there's cracks in the force. That's a problem. That's a otherwise big... it was pretty good. Okay, Doug, you as well. You did the full on 3D. Yeah, I did 3D IMAX. Uh, I did it the night of the 17th. Um, oh, the Thursday like... night. Yeah, I got to line up in 34 degrees temperature Ooh. and yeah, stand outside for an hour or so. Uh, mercifully, they let us in after a while. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, but uh, you know the the 3D is fine. It 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 doesn't put me over the top or or distract me or anything like that. It's just you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll see it in the theater again. I don't know that I would seek out the 3D, but I don't mind it. Yeah. Um, Sound seemed very good. Uh, the mix seemed very generous to the music for the most part. Uh, I think some of the surrounds in the theater I saw are still recovering from Interstellar last year. So, <laughs> are they cracking or something? <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for the plaster to start coming down. But that explains it. Yeah, uh, that might be it. Um, nice. But yeah, I mean, the music was all up front. It was allowed to to play a starring role. I think they know where their 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 core audience and their their money makers are you know people love the music of star wars so they're not going to hide it in the mix yeah it's kind of cool well that's interesting because i've seen it once 2d once 3d i seen it 2d on thursday night and the mix was terrible i mean it was like why why even have a score i mean it was so if i hadn't listened to the score first i wouldn't have known what i was listening to i mean it was Mm, just interesting it was terrible um just terrible and then i saw it Saturday in 3D and the mix was much better. Um, I mean, I could hear it, feel it. It was great. It was it was quite the experience. Um, so I've seen both. Uh, Kristen, you've you went more traditional. I did. I did. I saw it uh, 2D in a neighborhood theater in the um, Capitol Theater in Arlington, Mass. And um, yeah, nothing fancy in the theater. It has a creamery, you know. Um, it's a watery. It has a creamery. Oh, a creamery. Okay. 
Yeah, so that's like the major draw there. Um, <laughs> it's a really, really cute theater and it has, you know, old furnishings and oh, it's, okay, it's old school. and, you know, um, but it was a really great experience and the mix was fine as far as I could tell. And yeah. Okay. No so regrets. It's, so it lists like, we don't have 3D, but we have a creamery. Yeah. And it was $7. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. And Eric, you also went 2D. Yeah. um, I love 2D. I refuse to pay for 3D or IMAX or anything of that sort. But then again, I'm going with my family. And even to see it in 2D, I think it cost me over 100 bucks to go see this movie. Um, I cannot believe popcorn prices. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's insane. But, you know, my kids rarely go to the film, uh, go to the theater. So we we had to do the whole thing. Anyway. um, But, uh, yeah, saw it in 2D. Uh, Loved it. It was a smaller theater. um, But uh, the mix uh, wasn't that great. Um, I'm going to echo Doug where the the music itself got a great mix. But it was really quiet. Mm. Yeah. unlike Mad Max, which was the last film I saw in the theater, which was just overbearing. And I wanted to get out of there because it was really, really hurting my ears. Um, But Star Wars was uh, a little too quiet. And again, Mm. I I think I have the best theater experience at home. I have a pretty solid setup, and Mm -hmm. I feel that I'm going to have a different experience with this film, which I loved. But I think sound-wise, it's going to feel uh, a bit better when I finally hear it at home, mm-hmm. where I think I fine-tuned it properly. So it's it's kind of odd. It, I, I needed somewhere in between of, uh, of Mad Max and what I heard uh, this afternoon. But, you know, still, I, I could feel the force. But yeah. I just, the, the blasters um, and some of the explosions, just, I, I couldn't really feel it. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure what was happening. Yeah. Um, whether it was a, like a, only like a 2.1 mix or, or 5.1, I w- wasn't really feeling the surround. So I'm not sure what happened. But anyway, hmm. it didn't take away from my enjoyment of the movie. I, I absolutely loved it. Okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah. My, the 2D one that I saw first was very low in volume and mixed poorly. So it was... Not a good auditory experience at all for me. But I still came out loving the film. Um, and I think I'm the only one who's dumb enough to have seen it twice uh, so far in such a short amount of time. But I don't actually feel bad about that at all. Um, and all of you else have seen it once. And Eric, you you the most recent just a few hours ago on Sunday. Yeah. So yeah, you're, the, you're the freshest. Yeah, and I wanted to line up again and, and watch it one more time, okay. but we couldn't do that. So I just, me, both my son and I, he, he, once the film was done, he's like, "Let's go do this again." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, absolutely," but you know, I yeah, well, I just got it. I just got out of it as well. Yeah. Oh, you my did. Screening. Yeah, my screening was at seven thirty, and now it's one a.m. So okay, I just so you're first went home. Too. Went home, listened to the score as quickly as I could. So oh, right. I was put, putting off, and then basically went straight on here. Gotcha. I actually haven't listened to the last track, but it was. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the end title, so I, I stayed behind in the theater and listened to it there, but I haven't actually listened to it on the CD yet. Let's jump to um, your general non-spoilery reaction 
to the film, and I'll, and I'll go back to uh, Edmund and and Eric first, since they are the freshest. Um, Edmund, give us your give us your general reaction. What what did you think? Were you into it? I liked it a lot. Um, I didn't come. I, it wasn't like a visceral. Oh my god, this is incredible! Reaction kind yeah, of. Yeah. But I wasn't really expecting to have that because with Star Wars, I'm actually like. I don't have that much like childhood nostalgia for the series or anything. Mm. I didn't really come around to watching the older, the good ones until, well, not like, not like recently, recently, but I was, I was not a really like a kid anymore when I watched them for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I don't have that like connection to it. The first Star Wars movie I saw was Attack of the Clones. So, <laughs> wow, what an introduction. <laughs> Sorry about that. I, I liked that it you watched I anymore is, is, is a credit to you that you went beyond it. <laughs> uh, so you really, really liked it. I did. I really liked it, but it was it was not a revelatory experience. But I liked it. It met my expectations. It did not wildly exceed them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a very good time for sure. Okay, Eric, what about you? I absolutely loved it. Uh, the best thing about it was that I got to see it with my family, and yeah. more specifically with my son, who just couldn't wait to see this movie. And when he saw the Falcon for the first time, he basically just kind of jumped out of his seat, looked at me, and had this giant grin on his face. <laughs> so I didn't know he had this kind of uh, this, this, this kind of experience with the Millennium Falcon like some of us do, right? It's, right. it's a character right. all on its own. So, you know, when that happened, he just, he thought that was great. He, he was quoting lines already from the movie. Um, yes. He had an awesome time with BB-8. My daughter loved, loved BB-8, yeah. um, especially during that first escape sequence. Uh, she was just giggling so much. Um, but I think overall, and I remember reading this somewhere when I was sort of going through um, uh, reviews of the film, trying to get an idea of what it was like without you know, getting all spoilery. But someone said that this is a fan, J.J. Abrams, making a film for fans. Mm-hmm. And that's what it felt like. It felt like a really expensive, well-made fan film. And it was a way, it was sort of, sort of like a love letter to Star Wars fans <laughs> who had a very bad taste in their mouth from yes. the prequels. Yeah. And so this is J.J. Abrams saying, hey, you know what? Sorry about that uh, on behalf of George Lucas. And yeah. here's how <laughs> it is done. And I thought Daisy Ridley was absolutely incredible in this movie. I'd yes. give her an Academy Award nomination uh, just based on one scene and one scene alone. I won't spoil it, but it was right in the middle of the picture, and it was just her face. She was just stellar the casting of this movie uh, just absolutely bang on they did i think everything right yeah and i absolutely had a great time i can't wait to go see it again awesome awesome kristen what about you i loved it um i was so afraid um (laughs) so afraid to go see this movie because uh, 1999 was not a good time. Uh, <laughs> it was a dark time for was, Star Wars fans. It was fans. a very dark time. <laughs> My friend and I were counting down to that movie for two years. I swear to God, like since we were in tenth grade, and then it happened. And boy, did it happen! If a movie with Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor <laughs> and Star Wars can cannot save a movie for me, then nothing will. Right. Um, now, how many times did it take you to see The Phantom Menace before you realized it was bad? I've only seen it once. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
That's I, impressive. I only saw it once. I will, like, I can't bring myself to see it again. Wow, like, that is impressive. Uh, I saw it six times in the theater. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, to, oh, boy. I was so caught up in it. I was like, yeah, 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 it was good, right? Everyone was, we were all so excited. And then it was like, well, yeah, let's go see it again. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was it was pretty good, right? It's like yeah, it was pretty. You know, it took six times before I realized this movie's terrible. Oh this gosh, movie. man, I was so angry. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> well, um, but this this was oh, it made me feel like a kid. Like, and I'm sick and I'm miserable and I'm 35 and I felt like I was like eight years old. It was awesome. Nice. Nice. And like Eric said, Daisy Ridley was so amazing. Like I've seen pictures of little girls on Facebook wanting their hair done like like Ray. Oh, and man. that is so awesome to see little girls getting into this movie like I did and like my friend did and have, you know, in, a female Jedi figure. In fairness, didn't Leia inspire the same thing? Uh, not in the same way, I don't not, think. Not in the same way. Also, really hard to do cinnamon buns. <laughs> or actually really easy. <laughs> Get some yarn and stick it on the side of your head. Okay, fair point. <laughs> not real. Not, can't, you can't really do it, but you can fake it pretty well. Um, okay, that's wow, that's awesome. And you've still only seen Phantom Menace once to this day. That's impressive. To this day. I would recommend to you on YouTube, there's the non-cheese edit. The Phantom of- edit. No, no, not the Phantom. No, no, edit. it's different. It's called the yeah. non. There's, oh, really? they've, there's all, they've done all three of the prequels in a non-cheese edit, and I would recommend no. that to you. I, I, I've heard of that, and I was actually looking into it um, a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, it's never it's worth really... seeing. It makes it better. Okay. I mean, they 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 change. You know, they pretty much. No, they don't eliminate Jar Jar completely, but they give him just like this weird Star Warsy voice with, with whatever the language is they do that with all the aliens essentially there's no you know kind of um insulting <laughs> um racially biased sort of accents and they pretty much remove jar jar but not completely anyway i would say check the non-cheese cheese okay. edits out it's that the- was another thing that i liked about this movie that they had the languages yes yeah indeed yes uh, that was not to digress star wars that is star wars though um, Doug, what did you think of the film? Well, I cut my teeth on Star Wars. I mean, that's why I became a musician. That's why I became a fan of this art form. And, uh, you know, and it's been responsible for some very nice things that have happened in my life. But I also kind of felt like I left it behind a little bit, you know, when, mm-hmm. when the prequels came out, they weren't quite what everybody wanted. Um, you know, this summer in, in anticipation of this movie, my wife and I sat down and she'd not seen the prequels since they were in the theaters. Mm-hmm. And uh, after Attack of the Clones, she punched me. So <laughs> she punched you. Yeah, they didn't go down super, super well. It's an appropriate she... response. Yeah, well, I, I didn't blame her. It was okay. <laughs> Turns out she didn't like sand either. <laughs> it was coarse. Oh, wow. I've never heard uh, of anyone getting hurt, physically hurt over it. That's a new... Well, we're very passionate new... people. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, the, the highest compliment I can pay this is I felt... I mean, quite like the, the line that was in the film and in the trailers, we were home again. You know? Yeah. It was back in that world that had you know, first flung the door open for me to, to want to understand. You know, I, I, I'm probably at the right age where that was the first time I even heard an orchestra. Mm-hmm. That was, I'm, you know, if not the very first orchestral music I ever had, 
um, very, very early on. And it mm -hmm. certainly was hugely formative in, in sort of my career path and that sort of thing. Right. So, yeah, to get back into that world, I mean, it's uh, you almost wonder at some point if you're watching the movie or if you're just rewatching your own personal history with it. It's such an affecting thing. Well, and they certainly made it easy to feel like you might be rewatching something you've seen before. <laughs> they did, but I think they did it very cleverly. That's true. They they pushed that that skeleton, you know, they had to have it. They had to have that familiar Star Wars shape, but it really was the background. The real story was the characters. It's true. And the interaction and the self-realization of of the, you know, Daisy Ridley. It's very part. true. But I mean, it it is in the background and it isn't in I mean, the the structure of the film is Right. Very familiar. It's, um, it's some, the frame, but they hang a lot of yeah. interesting things on there. Yes, that's, they do. That's because the frame of it is the hero's journey. And the original Star Wars is such an it's such a typical hero's journey that it doesn't even diverge from, you know, that arc. So I take if, your I take your point, but I don't think there's anything in the hero's journey that specifically says droid with important information lands on a desert planet. Yeah, there are very, very, very specific. Um, you could almost parallels. say it rhymes. Yes, we could almost <laughs> say that. <laughs> I'm sure Lucas was saying that. It's like, wow, this really rhymes well. Uh, it, 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 it's. I mean, it is. It is hero's journey again. But you know, it, it bothered me at first, and then it kind of filtered away because of all the other wonderfulness contained within the film. Uh, it far outweighs that. Why they made that choice specifically, I'm sure JJ has lots of reasons. Um, and I look forward to hearing them. I can speculate on what some of them probably are. But it, it is there, and it is a point that some raise, or I think every single review I've heard or read talks about that you know, to, at, at length. Um, but I don't think it should be the thing that's like, oh my gosh, it's just a rehash of A New Hope. And so, therefore, it's horrible. I mean, I, I don't think that that it should be reduced to that. Um, Certainly not. No. Uh, Marius, what was your, what was your thoughts on the film? I mean, I think it was a very well executed uh, franchise defibrillator, essentially. <laughs> um, nice. You know, it's, it's a new, new hope, um, but it kind of had yes. to be. Ooh, um, well, because I don't think that the, I, I think that the star Wars audience has been truly injured by recent events in their history. And I think that the only way that JJ could really win back trust on mass was to say, okay, look, we, I will craft this perfect apparatus for pushing nostalgic buttons. You will love me again. And then I can hand the reins off to someone else who can perhaps, you know, wiggle out of that a little bit because yes, you can do the whole hero's journey thing, but, um, I mean, like Edmund was saying, like this is not this is not just like the archetype and the skeleton and whatever. Like they they stole muscles yes. and individual. You know what I mean? So it's like this is a seriously deliberate rehashing. Which I I mean I wasn't bothered by it because frankly um, I think it's my favorite of all the films um, so far. Period. Which is great because now I can just stop watching the original and be like, okay, this Ooh. is the this is the improved oh. version. Of I it. don't know if oh, I'm killing there. you, dude. You're you guys, you guys like, are going to hate me. You're shooting me right in my freaking heart right now. You guys are going to hate me this episode, so just I'm just I'm starting not... early. Oh, um, I didn't expect to hear that, but that's, inter that's really interesting. <laughs> I, I think, you know, you know to, to be honest, I'm pretty sure that's why he did it. Um, 
This is bring... a new hope for the new generation, exactly. and that's exactly what it is. It's replacing that film. This oh, new trilogy, it's, that's, it's never going to replace it. I'm not saying for you guys. No, I'm saying for for the coming, like for this generation. It's an like, introduction why... for, the new, for the new generation. This is going to be yeah, there. Yeah, but all those kids have already seen the films. Their parents make them watch them now. It's a, it's a rite of passage. You're ready to watch Star Wars. You're, it's you're true, but after they've, seen, after they've seen this one, are they going to want to go back to A New Hope? Yes, they are. Better. My son wants to, wants to watch Star Wars all day tomorrow. <laughs> well, <laughs> just, just the original trilogy. Oh. So, uh, I can't, I can't speak for he loved, I Oh, he loved, he, loved, he loved Forced Awakens, but, and he's nine years old. But... Um, he, uh, I don't think he goes, Hey, this is the only one I'm going to watch. Um, yeah, he's no, and I, really got a love for the original trilogy, but, and he also sees this as a continuation of that. Like when he saw Han Solo and he saw Princess Leia, his eyes lit up and I get where you're coming from. And I, I totally understand what JJ and Kazan were going to, we're doing for this because they, I think they had to reboot Star Wars and I think they wanted to reboot a new hope, but this is the way that they can reboot it without completely destroying what came before it. See? So they have they have the new hope kind of template, and were able to inject certain things into the story of their own that sort of made it different, but yet the same. See, I, I don't think they, I don't think they had to reboot a new hope. If you want to reboot something, reboot the prequels. Those can use a reboot. Yeah, but the New Hope's such a good story. The prequels are, are utter that, crap. That's so why they you have, reboot you have a those. Great good, you have a great good guy. Yeah, but nobody wants to hear about Senate. You can this, t- that, no, no, that's and, the stuff you take out and you reboot minimize. it. Yeah, true, but also, also those those, nobody wants to nobody wants to um, watch those characters anyway. They they don't care no. about Qui Gon Jinn. They don't care about because they were poorly Padme. done. They were they poorly still, done. Nobody cares about them. Even if you they could make them, you could make people care about I them. I guess so, but people want to see well. Han Solo. People want to see Luke Skywalker. I mean, look look how many people got upset that you didn't see Luke Skywalker in the trailers. It's true. And you want to see Princess Leia. You want to see X Wings. You want to see Tie Fighters. You want to see. Darth Vader. You don't get Darth Vader, but you get Kylo Ren. So that's what they want. That's what Star Wars fans enjoy. And I think that, I mean, if the prequels were good, that's fine. I just don't think that the characters in the prequels are as strong, no matter how well made of a film George Lucas could have made, are are like Luke, Han, and Leia. No, I, I but I, I, it's hard to... It's hard to grab hold of that statement that you've just made because it's all inherent to it was poorly written and poorly directed. Had they been well written and well directed, maybe they would have been beloved characters. We don't know. I, I think they they could easily be more um, accessible, embraceable characters. But I don't think there was any need at all to remake A New Hope. That is still my favorite of all of them. And... I think you could have told this story without hanging it on the skeleton of a new hope. I mean, there's an infinite amount of ways you could. Well, this um, is J- this is JJ playing it safe too, right? He's gonna that's really, and, safe. and I'm not sure who brought it up here, but JJ had to play it safe. Uh, people had to like him and what he was doing with this. So let's kind of retell a familiar story that worked. But see, and then, the, but I mean, you know what? A lot of people aren't picking that up. Like, I don't think my son picked up that, hey, this reminds me. The only thing that he went, hey, this is Tatooine. I'm like, no, 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 this is Jakku, but it's right. Tatooine. <laughs> but that's the only thing, and well, well, probably the Ice Planet too. He's like, is this Hoth? But he never really kind of, and again, we're going back to kids. So, I mean, yeah, as adults, I wouldn't of course, expect picking this sort of, but up. I mean, but it's like the only thing that he really thought, hey, this is, these are the same was 
was Tatooine and, and Hoth. And I said, no, no, those aren't the same. And, um, and that was it. Um, yeah. and then I, maybe, you know, the star killer being the, the new the death, death star. star, but then he thought, oh my God, it's, it's, it's so much bigger than the death star. It's, it's sure. way cooler. No, I think for the so, young and those being introduced for the first time into this universe, yeah, it's going to be fine. Um, but for, for those who've grown up, who grew up with the original trilogy, he risked alienating them, and he almost alienated me. It had the character development and the story bit not been as good um, outside of that skeletal structure. You know, I would have not been happy um, that it's like, and I know people who have been turned off. They're like, I didn't like this movie. Why are they so lazy? Couldn't they write a new, you know, and I tried to defend it. Like, look, look, it's not really about that. But he still chose to do it. And, and I understand why to a degree. But he, he was very close. And I'm sure he has alienated older fans um, who will still go see it and tolerate it because they're fans and they're probably always will be. Fan. If they got through the prequels and remained a fan, there's pretty much nothing that's going to turn them off. I'm actually um, looking at the age breakdown of the attendance this weekend. Oh, the interesting. 24% of the audience was between age 35 and 49. Wow. Um, and 24%, you said? 24%. 26% were between age 26 and age 34. So it does skew a bit older, definitely. Yeah. If that, well, if ever there was a four-quadrant hit, this is it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, every possible quadrant. Um, so, Doug, you are that that whole premise didn't really bother you and you grew up you watched it and grew up with these you said right yeah i mean i guess i understood it both from a storytelling point of view that it is that you know i mean they've already pulled this trick once jedi kind of has the same form yes. as star wars <laughs> so, true. um and that but makes it's it worse right from a commercial standpoint it makes sense too i mean it, it is in a way an apologetic, you know, look how much they stressed the practical effects. Look how much sure. they stress location shooting. Look how much they have, you know, what, what's the first line of the movie? This should begin to make yes. things right or, or right. something along those lines. Yep. That can be read as somebody going, okay, look, yeah, sorry about those other ones. Uh, <laughs> we're right. going to get back to basics here. I mean, right. And maybe that's just my no, I, I, filter on it. But Yeah, I picked that, I picked that same thing up. I, I still don't wonder. see why are you apologizing with... But again, is in my opinion the best of the bunch. Don't remake the best; remake the worst and make it good. <laughs> you know, because this isn't better than for me. It's not better than a New Hope. It's fun. It's funnier and all of that, but it's not better. And that's it was a, it was a opinion. But have your cake and eat it too type of thing. Here's the story that you recognize. This will feel like Star Wars. This will look like Star Wars. This will sound like Star Wars. But at the same time, here's this new ball we're getting rolling, and the younger kids will relate yeah. to this, and we're starting a new story at the same time. So I, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily condoning everything, but I do sort of see where that that mindset may. There's have just come. so many stories they could have written that that didn't have so many of the same beats. I mean, it would have been very easy for them to do that, and they chose not to. And and apparently, it's working really well. Um, that's just it, Chris. It's about risk management. Like they knew that they had to succeed, and any amount of risk, like if they changed, because you're absolutely right. Obviously, there's there were so many other ways they could have, you know, produced a, a similarly apologetic and and refreshed take on things. But this is a formula that they essentially had guaranteed uh, would work to produce the results that they were after. So it was the obvious choice. It was the lazy choice. You could make that argument, but it was also a very 
uh, like self-evident one. I mean, it's it it doesn't surprise me that they did this. Um, mm. I I do think that it allows them a little more. Like they've essentially bought themselves some additional leeway in the next ones. I think because they've won back the audience that was so deeply offended by the previous, um, you know, the, the prequels. Now they're like, okay, no, they can still make a genuine Star Wars film. And now, okay, we'll be a little more, you know, and it's it's, it's a different frame of mind for the audience to approach the next film from. Yeah. It's uh, exactly that. And could you imagine if they had taken that risk and failed? I mean, it, it would yeah. just... Oh my gosh, though, but I mean... It would I, be enormously bad. And I mean, there are ways to do what they did here and not do it so well. I mean, look at, you know, JJ's take with Into Darkness. Yes. They basically remade exactly. an, old, an old plot and completely bungled it, in my opinion. I know a lot of people love it. Um, but they sort of did something similar here. And I'm not saying they improved upon it. But they did enough to make it fresh, make it new, but still make it comfortable. Yeah, it's just weird that it's within the same continuity, the same, you know, it's the same, it's the continuing story. It's not All right. So it's not on that parallel. point, could you say, could we make an argument, uh, a genre argument, that this fits in with, you know, the space opera trope and they're making a statement on fate? Could be. It could be. I mean, that's 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 pretty deep. And I don't know how much of the audience is going to go there with it. They're going to just see those those very clear parallels and be like, well, they told the same story over again. You know, what I mean? and let me just jump back to the response of the said. Mary said, I don't think I think they won back the old audience in spite of that skeleton. I think they brought in a new audience with that using the same beats as A New Hope. But for me, they won me over, not because they retold A New Hope. They won me over in spite of it. I don't see that. For me, it wasn't a positive. No, yeah. but I'm saying it the other way. I'm, I'm, what I mean is this was guaranteed, like the risk of them losing you because they stuck to this formula was a much smaller risk than them losing a ton of other people because they tried something new true. and failed at it. True. It's true. It is very true. But it was a risk. But I mean, what, 20, 24? What did you say, 24%? What was the age bracket, Doug? For 35 to 49, it was 24%, yeah. And then 26% was? Uh, 26% was age 26 to age 34. Okay. I mean, that's half. Potentially, it could have, well, yeah, assuming the 26-year-olds have seen the original trilogy, um, maybe that's an unfair assumption. But that's a big, it's a big percentage. Yeah. Uh, that they, but you're right. They probably do. It probably was a smaller risk um, doing it that way. But but the marketing really didn't. Other than having the having the Star Killer base on the poster, that was the first time that I was like, oh, we're going there, which <laughs> shocked me, and I wasn't pleasantly shocked. But that was the first clue that I got that this was going to be retreading some old territory. None of the trailers really showed that other than oh it's a desert planet you know that sort of thing um so their marketing really didn't it wasn't the marketing of that hey we're rebooting soft rebooting this or retelling this story that pulled us in it was star wars new characters and continuing story that's what pulled people in i think because it wasn't a part of their marketing um to tell us that it was kind of hey here's a new new hope 
anyway, interesting, really interesting to hear all of all of your points on on that. Um, it sounds like in general we all loved it or liked it a lot. Um, not earth shattering. I don't think anything will ever be earth shattering like Star Wars was and potentially Empire Strikes Back. Um, but it sounds like we all pretty much liked a lot to to love. Is that about right? Yeah, yeah I'd say so. Yeah. Yep. I'm curious as to where this falls in the rankings for the series for for everyone. Yeah, that's a toughie. But I'll mm-hmm. let someone volunteer that. Okay, well, gonna... I already said it, so I... Oh, you said it's the best. Oh, right? oh. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so you guys can all hate me, but... No, first, I hate you. Your order. I'm surprised, but I don't hate you. I yeah. can see that point of view. But it's a good movie, I so I got no I problem agree. with you with that ranking. So yeah. that's if it was a horrible movie, I yeah, yeah. Then, that's a, then I'd have issues with it. But it's a good movie. Yeah, it's a heck of a lot of fun. Yes. I think I would put it in third myself. I might yeah, as I well. So too. Yeah. That's kind of where it's floating right Except now. I would be Empire, a new home. Oh, yeah. Yes. And then this one. I think it's on par with, with Jedi. I have like nostalgic feelings with Jedi. So I'm, I'm yeah, pretty me too. apologetic with, with Jedi. And that's Same. fine. They still think that there's no better um, special effects than, than the space battle in Jedi. Um, I still get goosebumps when I see that. However, you know what? They did a they did a marvelous job with that TIE fighter Falcon chase in uh, Oh, they sure did. In Force Awakens. And they sure did. just yeah. Yeah, God, I don't know where we're going with spoilers, but I mean there's just so many cool things that happened in that sequence that just really separated itself from every other chase in the yes. Star Wars uh universe. So it was again very familiar, um, but still also very different. Yes. It was so good, so good. And it was one of one of five or six kind of teary moments for me. I just I had to keep wiping them away. Just all the nostalgia and just the awesomeness of the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, I was reading, I was reading the crawl to my to my son, and when I first read Luke Skywalker, <laughs> I just it was yeah. just like a swell of emotion. It was I'm a like, perfect. Crawl. Oh my god! It was a perfect crawl. It was a perfect. It was. Crawl. I'm reading this thing along, and I'm like, oh my god, we're we're back. <laughs> it's we're back. No Let's trade. Do this. No trade. No, trade, no blockades. <laughs> yes. No Senate. Yeah. Just Luke Skywalker has disappeared, and I was like. All right. Yeah. That's yeah. all we need. The, the crawl could have stopped right there with one sentence. <laughs> that would have been good. Like, all right, let's go. But it was so good. I was worried about that, too. It was like, well, what were going to be those first three paragraphs? And, man, they nailed it. Yeah, they did. Uh, any other rankings, Doug? Where does it, for right now, where does it lay with you? Oh, hovering someplace between three and four, I think. I mean, it's live with these these things for so long it's kind of hard to be really objective about it but you know it's on par with 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 uh, the original trilogy someplace in there okay if that if that helps <laughs> it's good to know that it's not around the prequels <laughs> no no no, no. <laughs> there is a huge chasm between whatever the you know and the prequels um edmund yeah i would put it on par with or maybe slightly above jedi i'm not sure yet but it's definitely not on par it's not it's not up with star wars or empire for sure but okay all right that's where that's where it lands for me okay very close very close to jedi i'm not sure exactly how they exactly line up but yeah all right okay well let's move on to talking about john williams original score
Let me ask you guys first, um, did any of you or who listened to the score before you saw the film? Let uh, just say I did. Yeah, I did. I'd heard some of it. Some of, now, was that intentional not to listen to it in full, Doug? Or Yes, yeah. Um, you know, usually these days I'm hearing things long before they're even out. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to as much of it as I could wait until the, you know, seeing it in the film. I thought it'd be kind of fun. Another one of those things of, of trying to make it like the old days. Right. Okay. I, I, too, listened to it before I saw the film. And I'm glad I did for the reason I said I would have not recognized anything um, post-watching it the first time because I didn't hear it the first time. So I'm glad that I did. Uh, so everyone else waited to see the film first, and all of you did that intentionally, I assume. Yeah. I did, yeah, yes. Sure. Yes. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, well... Given that, let's um, let's talk about how well you thought the score actually worked within the film. Um, and Doug, we'll start with you. <laughs> uh, gangbusters. I mean, you know. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, it, it, exact I, word. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I was yeah. going to say that. I was like, okay, good. Doug's going to be done. I'm going to say gangbusters. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, what else can you say? It's, it's, it's Williams in fully engaged mode. How much better does it even get? Mm. Yeah, that's, wow. that's what he does, man. Okay. Can I? I know it's a rhetorical question, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I could respond, but I won't. Um, Eric, what did you think of the score in the film? Sound like yeah, gangbusters. Gang, yeah, gangbusters. <laughs> it was, um, it just worked so well. I had, I had listened to the score multiple times before seeing the movie, and uh, I remember my first listening being just underwhelmed by the whole thing because I just wasn't used to it, and it felt like a rehash of every action cue that John Williams had written in the past 10, 15 years, and it just didn't feel like Star Wars to me. Mm-hmm. But then once I got into it started recognizing themes and starting hearing little things here and there and then i was imagining what it would be like in the movie and then i saw it this afternoon and it all of a sudden felt like a star wars score mm-hmm. it made sense to me these new themes oh fit so well with any of the new themes or the old themes that williams mm. had written mm. it has written and um uh, just a kylo ren's motif just absolutely love it. It's not the Imperial March, but it's a great bad guy motif. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And the use of the rebel theme for the Falcon to give the Falcon its own uh, musical motif is just absolutely, absolutely thrilling. So it all just, it all just kind of worked for me. And I'm glad that I love it now mm-hmm. when four days ago I was, like, what is this? I, I just don't get it. But mm. now I get it. And it's amazing how, you know, hearing the music in context um, really uh, does help. And uh, Williams just knocked this one out of the ballpark. But have you ever had that experience before with a Williams score, especially to a major, major, major film where you had one experience listening to it on its own and then hearing it in context had such a sounds like such a profound impact on your I I don't opinion. I don't think so. Um I liked like if we're going to stay with Star Wars, I I I liked the the three prequel scores and I heard all those before I saw the film. Mm-hmm. So, uh 
they didn't um like when i saw the movie it didn't increase my enjoyment of the scores but this is one where um i had thought that we're 10 years separated between star wars Mm -hmm. scores and maybe we'd hear something different but this is again more towards you know john williams now and that kind of prequel sound yeah um but still there's still some some classic original trilogy sounds in this as well Yeah. And uh, you know, especially for a lot of the the, the space battles, it, it feels um, a lot like uh, the original trilogy. So um, it's just great to hear a, a, an abundance of themes, and um, and they're they're memorable. That's what's so great about them is you know, Ray when you see her on screen, and her, it, the theme just works perfectly for her, absolutely perfectly for her. So, um, but yeah, I've never had this experience before where I, I really didn't like a Williams score on its own, and then seeing the movie and going, wow, that's that makes sense now. I've never experienced that. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Eben, what about you? What was your, what's your feeling about how the score worked within the film? I thought it worked absolutely fantastically within the film. Like, spot on. Ex- perfect mixture of the old familiar stuff with new themes and all the new themes. I was able to pick them out like almost straight away. As soon as I heard them, I was like, oh, hey, here's a new theme and it's for Kylo Ren. Woo! Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, pretty much no complaints. Um, he knew exactly when to bring in the old stuff and and when um, he didn't overdo it, he didn't underdo it. It was just balanced pretty much perfectly in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fan- okay. fantastic work all around. Kristen, what about you? Oh, okay. So oh, well, actually, sorry, I have to. There is one exception. Nope, time's to that. up. No, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. There's one exception to that, and I think Eric mentions it in the in the document. So I think we'll talk about it in a bit. Oh, unless you want to talk about it now, but it it might be. I didn't. Uh, I didn't see the exception. Um, uh, is it a theme that then we can come back to in the themes section? Yeah. Okay, let's do it there. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Kristen. Okay, so I felt it was just so space operatic, like from the beginning, going when it goes down to Jakku, I, I was immediately brought into the story and it like it had me from there, seriously. Um I heard Sibelius, I heard Stravinsky, it was total classic Williams. So it brings you right back to you know, 77. And Mm. I thought it did a great job. Everyone was wrapped and yeah, all the new, all the new material sounded like it belonged in that universe. Like it had always been there, you know, Mm -hmm. and that it had only just now been uncovered. So yeah, I, I loved it. Mm. Okay. All right. Um, uh, Marius, what about you? Well, um, I'm going to preface this by saying that I've only listened to it on album outside the film a few times. So with any Williams score, I I feel like you really have to go through it a few times to properly digest what's going on. But this is just Uh, in um, the film. How did how well it work in the film? I know. I know. But 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 I say this because I'm disagreeing with Eric and with a few of you, actually, in that I felt that this score's themes were a little less impactful than some of the other Star Wars scores, first Mm -hmm. of all. And I also felt that especially Ray's theme, um, I mean, for me, that could have been transplanted straight out of a Harry Potter film. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of agree with you on that. It was was not, like, it fit, 
And once I, uh, in the context of the film, it kind of squeezed its way through and I was like, okay, that's fine. But especially when I went back to it on album, I was like, whoa, wait a minute, this is for a Star Wars film. This is mm -hmm. not, it, it's not, uh, I'm not saying it's bad. I actually, that's sure. probably my favorite new theme. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just, it was such a different character from what I was expecting to hear that mm. it threw me, I, it was just, it was very surprising. Mm -hmm. um, I do enjoy that theme, though. I, I think that that's, that's quite strong. Um, Mr. Angst's new theme is good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but overall, overall, I just, there, there's some, some lack of, of richness mm -hmm. or diversity in the themes within this score um, to me so far. Again, maybe I'm just not picking up on all the clever things that are in there, and I will later, but from a first impressions thing, and especially hearing it in the film, it was just uh, uh, it, it's a, it's a magnificent score that is not, it did not blow me away, and there were, there's a, just a character to it that just felt a little bit off from what I had in my head as the, the sort of Star Wars sound. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I do give Williams kudos for being willing to to expand that a little bit. You know, I mean, the, the film itself is very safe, but I feel like the score is quite a bit braver, and that I hmm. admire a lot. That's interesting. Braver how? In Well, if, for example, with this kind of theme for Ray, which, again, is not, it's not the kind of um, music that I would have expected to find in a Star Wars film, but it does work. Uh, it does work, and I admire the fact that they were willing to uh, to do that instead of having him just lean more heavily on older themes and things like that, because imagine, I'm thinking of this in parallel, so the film is a direct rehash of A New Hope, so if the score had had that same level of, of rehashing, then we'd basically just be listening to the original themes a bunch of different ways but yep. we aren't so that to me was great i mean it's you know whatever the film is doing the music is actually exploring some new territory mm, mm, interesting uh, i think that's that's kind of part and parcel with what happened in the original trilogy at least in my mind that there is a, a an evolving sound from score to score to score yeah. i mean the first score had that very dry a lot of stravinsky touches yeah. a lot of you know that quartal fugal writing at the end you get to the second Love score it. it's much richer more operatic the third score you have that kind of prokofiev wittiness um i thought it was great on this i, I know i'm i'm <laughs> stepping in where no one asked me to say anything no good, good. um for for this score i love that he took things in a little bit of a new direction they still feel connected to star wars to me but it adds a new character and, and goes off the edge of the map to say, well, now Star Wars can be this as well. Um, the Ray theme, I thought in particular, was was wonderful because it's the first, well, not only in Star Wars, but maybe for a long time for Williams, it was the first female theme he's written mm. that's not through the lens of a male character. Mm. He's, he's certainly never done that before in Star Wars. Princess Leia's theme is, you know, this kind of sweet, lovey-dovey theme that never had anything to do with that feisty, you know, capable character that she really was yeah, true and it was cool to see him finally give a female theme a female character a theme that doesn't have to be viewed as a male would be viewing her i thought that was a really beautiful thing i think zam wessel in attack of the clones got a little theme <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> that rhythmic thing yeah it was pretty it was pretty gritty it's pretty gritty for an assassin <laughs> all right fair enough, fair enough um i have to agree a lot with what marius was saying um, and what Eric was saying initially upon first listen, uh, I was pretty underwhelmed 
uh, by it and downright bored, to be honest. Now, uh, I should have said first, you know, John Williams, love him, always have. I mean, he is my favorite film composer. Uh, you know, his his score for Star Wars and New Hope was what set me on the path. Um, and he always will be probably in that position for me. Um, but I was so disappointingly underwhelmed by the score upon first listen. And then, of course, my experience, as I've mentioned in, my, in, the, in the movie the first time, was not good. So I couldn't hear it well. And I was still underwhelmed. Second time, could hear it, certainly appreciated it a lot more. Um, but I feel like, like Marius does in terms of racing, I love the theme. It's beautiful, but it feels like Harry Potter. It feels like prequel. And I was hoping against hope that Williams would go back towards, and you've, and you've, quantified it and described it very well um um doug i was going to ask you to do that anyway to 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 quantify the difference the particular difference in his writing from the original trilogy to the prequel trilogy the prequel trilogy music is great but to me it it was always a far cry below uh what he did for the original trilogy it's just my own personal taste it certainly doesn't have to do with his talent and his ability um they just it just didn't feel like star wars to me the prequels they were great scores that were this other thing kind of semi-related and so that i carry that over into this where it feels more prequely with more dashes of original trilogy stuff rebels theme um force theme all over the place uh you know things that were familiar but it always jarred me it didn't it doesn't feel it doesn't feel well integrated. Just like just like listening to the end credits of Revenge of the Sith. Whenever that the old trilogy stuff comes in, it just is so jarring to me. Those things just don't. Those two styles just don't mesh for me very well, and it's very jarring. Um, and so whenever I did hear a motif from the original trilogy, my ears perked up and like, okay, yeah, yeah, Star Wars, and then we go back into his more. You know, his just gazillion notes a second, uh, all the accents and all of this stuff everywhere. That was very distracting to me um, in his action music in particular, uh, in this newer style. And so, and I just wish it was simpler. You know, I think about Prince Leia's theme, which is probably still my favorite. It's just so melodic and just so simple and so beautiful and layered. And it doesn't have all these, you know, it doesn't do all of that all the time, which it just sometimes is distracting. It just, I just wanted to, his newer style feels more, I don't know, bouncy, joyous, playful. Those are the kind of things that come to my mind when I hear the prequel scores overall. Um, And so I... I think that this score worked very well in the film um, and it did its job within the film, um, but not much beyond that. And I, I guess I would say it worked as well within this film as the prequel scores worked within their films. This just happens to be an infinitely better film. And I'm trying not to mix my emotions of the film and how much I loved it uh, with the actual score itself. To me, for me, the score is, is still disappointing. Um, in context, it's, it, it's, it's 
from the musical standpoint, not how it actually, and I know that's the primary job, it's, it's what it does in the film, it's still a little, the themes aren't that strong to me compared to the original trilogy. They, they, they aren't as identifiable for me. Um, I have to hunt and peck for them. And like, oh yeah, there is. I have to listen to them so many times. And, I, and maybe it's not fair to do that because I've heard the original trilogy scores for 30 years or more. Um, so maybe that's not a fair comparison. But um, I still find myself at this moment a bit disappointed and a bit underwhelmed uh, by the score. Maybe it is getting better as I listen to it more and more and more. Um, but it's not, it's, not, it's not on par with the first three, uh, the four, five, and six scores for me yet. It's, I guess it's better than the prequel f- scores, I guess. Um, it's just kind of floating there right now. Um, is, do any of you relate to any of that at all? Or am I just, uh, aside from I know I have some points with Marius in common, but or am I on my own with that? No, I'm, I'm with you on a lot of that, be... Chris. <clears throat> yeah, I would have been with you maybe three days ago. Um, again, without having seen the movie. Yeah. But now that I've listened to it, um, I'm about like listen 10 and 11. Um, it's very familiar to me now. And I think that's another, another thing is, you know, we all, I think we're hoping that maybe Williams would craft another empire strikes back. And I'll be honest. I mean, I'm like, that's what I want to hear. I want to, I want to, I want to hear that. And that's just not going to happen. But that's where my initial disappointment lied is that sure. I didn't get to hear um, another Empire Strikes Back or, a or at least a little action, more like or an, or an action set piece that has, you know, this theme to it that you're only going to hear it once, like yes. the asteroid field. Yes. And so that's where my initial disappointment uh, lied because I didn't hear those things. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the themes really didn't um, connect with me again until later. And having seen the movie and since we were talking about Ray's theme, Ray's theme makes so much sense to me now. And, you know, at first I was thinking the same thing. This is this is sort of Harry Potter. And that was kind of like the beginning of her track, that kind of uh, whimsical, playful, yeah. Yeah. Uh, little twinkly thing. But I get it. That's the scavenger. That's that's played for that part of her life and that's when i when you first hear it when she's making that slide down the uh, the sand hill yeah and it's it's kind of cute and playful but she's kind of it's kind of isolated and she's alone and this is who she is but she's not ray who we're going to get to know and see later on in the movie and then when her theme explodes during the end of the film it all just makes sense and that's what makes williams so brilliant is that you got ray's theme but it's used in two different ways and for two different sides of, 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 of a character and the star Wars sweep is in her theme. It's only in the latter half of the theme. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it, I, again, I had the exact same reaction, but that was like three days ago before having seen the movie. And I think as we become more familiar with this, um, I think you might appreciate it more. I know I, I, I do. do. It's not, it's not, again, it's not a trilogy, original trilogy. It, it's, it's not ever going to get there. But I think it's, for me, I love The Phantom Menace. I think that's a fantastic score. I think that's about as close to original trilogy as we're going to get. Mm. And I think that with this, unlike the other two prequel scores where there were only like maybe one or two new themes, and especially only like one concert suite from Attack of the Clones and one concert suite from Re- Re- um, Revenge of the Sith, we have so much here. Mm-hmm. There's six or seven new themes that you know you could hear in concert. 
and just it, it, it it's absolutely mind blowing that uh, you know Williams at eighty three can can do this and um, but I think that once we become more familiar with it all, um, I'm sure it's gonna. I think we will appreciate it. I, I um, hope more I hope as I the do. years go on. I certainly and want I think to. I, and I think once we see a second film and then when these when these themes are brought back, I think that's when you'll kind of I think I think for me as well it's going to have way more an impact. Um, you know, hearing Ray's theme for the first time again um, in the next movie, and you know, Probably. Uh, I hope I think that'll be great. And hopefully, there's more for Kylo Ren, and and it's just gonna be great to hear those themes and and kind of live on their own. Um, It'll be interesting to see if Williams is back for eight. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, just I, so. I mean, you don't you know you never know you know no you never know you know I mean we we had an episode where we were speculating about who would score this one and I remember I said I didn't think Williams would do this one. Um, oh yeah, and my and my my initial choice I wouldn't even give it to him now. So who's that? <laughs> Gino. Gino. I would. I would. I don't know. I you know what I you know who I'd give it to right now I'd give it to William Ross because he worked what? on this score. Really? Yeah, I give it to him. Him or uh Conrad, Conrad Pope. Pope. I don't know. I don't know whether did Pope I'm not sh- I didn't see his name in the credits Pope or in the soundtrack. On one, no. No, so he didn't work Ross. on this one. So I think that Ross, especially Pope. with the way that he helped adapt the the material for Chamber of Secrets, I think he knows John Williams stuff and I think since he's worked close with this team already, he's the guy I would pick. Right you don't think Giacchino's to... excellent performance as a stormtrooper qualifies him? Was and I love there? that. Yeah, he yeah, was. I yeah, saw his name. I saw his name. I'm like, hey, it's Jakino. I wonder which one he was. You know who you know who Daniel Craig was? Which stormtrooper he was? No. He was the one yeah. who was the she used the force on the, him. The Jedi mind trick one. Yeah, yeah. That was Daniel Craig. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. Jakino and somebody else, weren't they the uh the two that kind of walked up while Kylo was having a fit. Oh, really? Yeah. And then nice. they uh, kind of backed off and <laughs> that's nope. awesome. Yeah, because they they the, they had similar names in the credits. Uh-huh. Um, they were L two seven whatever, and so I'm thinking they were a pair. That's and awesome. I'm, I'm I, I, that's my guess. I don't know. And um, you know what? They but... can each say that they had as many lines as Mark Hamill did. <laughs> spoiler, 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 spoiler. Sorry. <laughs> Let me just get that out there. Yeah, we're in the spoiler zone. Sorry, everybody. I'm sure you've seen it by now, but if you haven't, get out and come back. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I certainly hope I do come to love this more. I just know that A New Hope didn't need Empire to be brilliant in terms of the score. Um, you know, it was I, 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 I listened to that record till it fell apart. Um, and I mean, Empire was it was another thing. I mean, it took those things and, and amped them up and took them to new places and new heights. But had Empire never came out. A New Hope was still just, it was just a, uh, just something super special for me and, and remains so. Um, that's kind of what, what concerns me. And that's uh, like, these new themes are great, but almost none of them had just the initial impact that some of the, even the prequel scores had for me. I mean, mm, Attack of the Clones yeah. had, uh, um, what Across was that, gorgeous... Across the stars, exactly. Yeah. And then, of course, there's Duel of the Fates. And frankly, even from episode three, um, uh, the Battle of Heroes thing, like the, each of those themes had a certain distinctiveness to them that I immediately picked up on. Like there was something mm-hmm. about them that for me, they I kind of knew that I was going to walk away from those scores with those themes intact. Mm-hmm. And here I'm, I'm left with Ray's theme, basically, yeah. and, and not, not a whole lot else. Right. I would go so I far mean, to say that the flag parade cue from Phantom Menace is a stronger theme than any oh, new theme. Oh, I've ouch. said that before. I ouch. mean, I love that. I love that march. Oh, um, I don't love that march. 
<laughs> because I, because I just don't. <laughs> anyway, well, you don't super. you don't love it because it's in that film, but it's a beautiful <laughs> piece of music. It's it it's really good. Anyway, yeah, uh, that's but that, probably so that's, true. That's all I'm saying is that these themes, why oh, they like can Nicholas Rosa better. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, that's fair. <laughs> um, these themes, while they they can and probably will be developed and. Like with anything else, it's introduced here, and they will begin to resonate as we, as we, as Force Awakens becomes a beloved Star Wars film instead of just the new Star Wars film. Yeah. Um, and then, sure, when we hear Ray's theme again, it'll be like, oh my God, it's Ray's theme. I'm teary. Right. But here, initially, it's like, okay, it's Ray's theme. It's great. Um, but there, there's, there's something that wasn't there for me. Um, mm -hmm. but Ray, Ray's theme was as close as, as it got within the score. The rest of them for me are just, eh, yeah, honestly. That, uh, well, with the possible exception of the, the, uh, resistance theme, that one's also pretty cool. The yeah. problem I have with the resistance. Wait, theme... wait, wait, hold on, Evan, before we go further that I want to get into the themes cause we're kind of, okay. we're kind of making kind of our way already. in there. Um, so I want to officially move into, into that, um, uh, discussion cause you know, we're running long already, but I want to hit the major themes if we can. I think we've already talked about racing uh, uh, quite a bit, but we can spend some time on there. On the soundtrack, um, it's track six. Uh, if you want to listen to race theme, I'm probably going to play a bit of it right now. So we're going to know exactly what we're talking about. Um, we could also point out that that's very closely related to the force theme, both harmonically and uh, intervalically. That's why he can use them in counterpoint for the. Uh, yeah, it is. Okay. That's true. He he yeah. force he he fakes you out sometimes. You think it's going into force, and it mm -hmm. ends up being rays. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I noticed that a couple times. It's one of the many reasons why I love this theme so much, and it tells you so much about Ray too. And yeah, okay. race theme. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I would say that's the showpiece theme of the score, as you got some have already said. Um, is there any other points anyone wants to bring up about Ray's theme, since it is probably the most important one, the new one, new one anyway? Having only listened to the score once so far, and not even that because I didn't listen to the last two tracks yet, um, the I'm having a bit of a hard time grasping Ray's theme because it has so many sub-phrases. Mm-hmm. It has like two or three different phrases and so like whenever he quotes it it's a different phrase and like and as soon as i think okay now i know how the melody goes he quotes a different phrase of it, and i'm like oh it's it that is a different part and i still don't know that part yet and i haven't quite figured out the shape of it yet and that's the thing about his newer style that that is somewhat frustrating for me um it, it, it's so it's so complex you know and it's so brilliant but it's so complex where you it's hard to get a hold of it as opposed to the forest theme luke's theme Leia's theme. I mean, it's just like you don't, it doesn't take but a note or two to know what motif is being played. That's, that's what I really love about it, though. I mean, here she is. She's a scavenger. She's an engineer. She's dexterous and lithe and feminine. And there's so much within that theme that tells you everything about this character. Mm, okay. And it's all at work in there. Mm -hmm. um, and as well as the connection with the Force. Mm -hmm. um, can we just say too that daisy ridley i mean fantastic brilliant just fantastic. she does so much with her face she does yes oh she's fantastic i, Look, I brought up, I, I brought up the uh the scene between her and kylo again are we okay with spoilers yeah we're in spoilers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so that the interrogation scene yes she owns it and i just and, and there's so much going on with those two characters as well yeah kylo's character changes her character changes but you're right. She does it all 
with her face. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was a spine tingling moment. Mm-hmm. It was so good. She's so good. Yeah. I couldn't stop talking about her after the movie. Even my <laughs> wife was like, she's incredible. She's yeah. absolutely incredible. It's it's going to be great going on this journey with her. Just having a a, a character that you that you've just embraced fully, and we're like, let's go, let's see where this goes. I'm with you. Um, that's what should have happened with Anakin, unfortunately, uh, but did not. <laughs> we were rooting against him. <laughs> well, you know, Anakin should have been Kylo. Yes, he should. Have. And and I think Kylo's temper tantrums are just so much better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much about. I laughed. I laughed. I, I was so giddy when I saw that. Oh yeah. He's he's just this this immature villain. Rat. Yeah. And, but yeah. But he's but he's not annoying. He's no. not like, crying and <laughs> he's just like he's gonna he's gonna kill somebody and it's just well that's just Kylo. Yeah. And, I can just imagine and, and, this. I love te- it. I can just imagine this team of like stormtrooper techies who has to go and like repair all those consoles that he trashes <laughs> and there's just like oh jesus christ the boss had a tantrum, temper tantrum again yeah and that's what made that stormtrooper joke so great yeah it was yeah. so yeah. great like, it's just oh, like yeah. the humor just was like, oh, also crap. yeah they were just like yeah. nope yeah. yeah and the humor was so perfect in this movie it was just it so was. there are a, there are a few moments of humor that i found a little too postmodern for star wars for instance like for instance at the very beginning when he's like so how does this work do you say something first do i, I say loved that it was a that, great. It was a great. That's just Poe right there. I got him. I got that him. That felt too much like Guardians of the Galaxy for me. Hmm, I thought really. that was in the spirit of boring conversation anyway type of thing. <laughs> oh yeah, that's it reminded right. Reminded me of that type of writing. Yeah, uh, it was yeah. Just that it, kind of spunky seventies thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, lo- I, I thought I loved that was it. like old Han. It was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or more Indiana Jones. Yeah, it was. It was. Cool. Yeah. But I could see what's his face. Guardians of the Galaxy guy saying that in a situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it I felt more Chris Pratty to me than Harrison Ford. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did, I didn't mind. I, I, was I, did, I didn't, I didn't mind it. It just them. stood out. It just stood out to me as yeah. like it was very early in the movie. It was surprising, and it, it stood was. out to me as like un-Star Wars ish for some reason. Hmm. It, it was a surprise, know, but, least, but a welcome but I, one. I think it just his character was established right there. Right there, within five seconds, you got who this guy was. It's true, and that's yeah. what made him so lovable. I want to that see was more also that was also like a tonal pivot point because up to that point you're kind of like okay this is probably going to be the same broody dark kind of thing mm-hmm. but then suddenly that was like oh wait this is actually going to be there's humor in this film mm-hmm. like legitimate you are laughing in this mm-hmm. this film and that to mm-hmm. me that just felt like a oh okay wait a minute this is not it's not quite the tone I was expecting yeah. but it was great I mean I I laughed out loud that was an awesome line speaking I mean, of not... five minutes um, Max Van Sydow <laughs> like. <laughs> Really? <laughs> I was so surprised. I'm like, because I love Max Benson out. And I feel like I feel like he, he's like kind of, he's like, all right, let's get someone who's kind of like an old actor with the same sort of heft as Alec Guinness yes. and be in the movie for two minutes. <laughs> well, I think you had to have somebody that you cared when you cut him down that early on. If you just mm-hmm. been Joe Schmo out of central casting, you might not have cared it as much. Really right. worked. It did work. I was yeah. like, oh. I was expecting mm-hmm. so much more from him in this movie. And yeah. it's like, oh, okay, well, so moving on. <laughs> well, you can't claim that they overhyped him, at least. I no, mean, it they, like they were pushing true. him in your face in every ad and then killed him off. That is the truth. Um, okay, so let's move on from, from Ray's theme. Um, and let's go on to Finn's theme.
Finn's theme yet. Yeah, I don't know what Finn's theme is. It was, there's been some discussion that it's that mixed meter stuff that you hear a lot with the Falcon, but oh, okay. it seemed like it may be related to him, and maybe that's that's an interesting thing with Williams is is he's never been completely literal with his light motif usage, especially in yeah, Star Wars. He's, he's different example. from Howard Shore in that for sure. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, you know, I, I've always had a theory that like you know kind of my holy trinity of composers, that Goldsmith was the one that related to directors, Shore is the one that relates to writers, and Williams is always related to the audience, mm. just in, in terms of their approach to the music. Oh, that's good. And Williams is happy to pick up a theme and move it someplace else if it's emotionally apt. Right. Um, you know, Leia's theme for the death of right. uh, Ben Kenobi is, of course, the everybody's famous example. Or Yoda's theme in the uh, Cloud, Cloud City, Cloud City yeah, action exactly. sequences, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And we haven't said anything about Finn in terms of the film. I loved Finn. I thought he was I thought he was great. Um, I enjoyed him, yeah. He was you know, he he was an interesting character because you were thinking, Oh, this kid, you know, he's 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 turning, he's 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 leaving the first order, he's gonna be part of the resistance, you know, he's gonna be a hero. And yet he's so bumbling in so many ways, you know, he doesn't have the skills that you would think he's gonna have. He's just he just cares about his friends. He cares about doing the right thing, um, and he just goes in head first. and mm-hmm. And I love that about him. I do think there's more to him. I don't think he just was like, "Oh, my f- friend, the stormtrooper died," and I don't, I'm not, I'm not with this whole first order thing after all. I think there's more going on with him. I, I think, certainly hope so. I, yeah, I don't think you put him on the poster with a lightsaber if it's just for that the way he was used in this and particular film. They, they gave be. him a bit of they gave him a bit of like a Han Solo arc where at first he's only interested in self-preservation and then true. he comes around to having a cause. True. Very true. Um, I think I think that whole Force Awakening thing is not exclusive to um, Ray. I think there might be something going on with uh, Finn as well. At least I I feel like that's. I think there's evidence of that, but I'm really hoping that that's the case because. It, at least we know there won't be any weird Skywalker family twists with him. Um, I've heard some pretty hilarious theories about that. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, I'm sure will not be the case, but someone was able to work out a theory where where he could be involved. Um, but I don't buy it. Um, does anyone have anything else to say about Finn and his potential theme? I guess it's hard to find his theme. Is all we can say. Certainly, nothing stands out as like obvious. But he said he heard it. There was a video of him. I I, I think it's probably that mixed meter thing because that's if again I'm going to the end credits. But you're kind of getting the three big new themes. The end credits you get. Ah, you get her. You get him. That makes sense. um, Kylo Ren. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So I think it may have just been one of those cases where it sort of migrated a little bit as the filmmaking went on. Although I think he's in all the scenes that that theme appears in. It does. He's always present. It does. Yeah. I just, I, I, it's the only one I don't really remember. I can't hum it. I can't. It's, I, well, I can't you hum can't really hum it. It's, it's, just, it's just an action motif, really. It's just a rhythmic no, thing. No, no, no. There's, there is actual, like, a, it's not just the, the, the rhythms or whatever, but they, there's an actual theme for him. I, again, I, I can't recall where it is, but it, it's there is it's a, not in a theme or a motif. Uh, I, again, I, I again, it's it's one that I don't remember, but I do. Oh, I like when I hear it, I'm like, ah, that was it, and I remember hearing it. I I'm pretty sure it was, maybe it was in the Falcon, or there was another portion in in the film where his his 
his theme or motif was there. I could be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure it was different than anything else that we heard. But it's it, it's something that didn't really resonate with me, mm-hmm. and I'm still getting through the soundtrack, and I still I'm like, oh, that's it. But I, I can't hum it back. I can't. I just can't. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, Kylo's theme. Kylo Ren, our villain of the film. Um, I I picked out track thirteen for that, which is Kylo Ren arrives. Um, sounds like that's one of our more beloved themes from the score. It's certain. It stood out really, really obvious. I mean, first maybe first or second time I heard it, I immediately was like, okay, here's our new bad guy theme, and it sounds like a bad guy theme. It's classic low brass, stomping evil. It's in spirit, it's like the Imperial March in that way, yeah. although not like not structurally or stylistically. I mean, the Imperial March is much longer lined, yeah. which gives it more lasting memorability, I think. Yes. And which, whereas this is just five five note motif, kind of. Yes. Yeah. I think there's one instance it does expand a bit. Uh, I think at one point Kylo runs on the bridge and. Uh, I did hear his theme, but it, there was a little bit more added on, and it probably was just a repeat of the theme, just with a couple of notes changed here and there. But I did hear what could have been something longer than just the the kind of menacing motif that we heard throughout most of the movie. Mm. But I absolutely love it. I think it's fantastic. He has some tentative so material, well. some sort of you know rumbling tentative stuff that goes before that motif. But I did mm-hmm. kind of wonder if he's you know again if Williams comes back for eight, if they'll do a thing like they did with the original Imperial motif from the first Star Wars. I mean, or get you, rid of get, it. <laughs> well, yeah, get rid of it, right? Or give him a more developed theme as you start to yeah. understand more. That's about what I'm character. hoping for. Yeah. Uh, I, see. I mean, obviously that character is going places that is not just stomping evil, so they'll have to do something. They'll uh, have to develop in some ways. It'll yeah. be curious. I mean, this is going to be their hardest character to ever redeem if they're going to try. Oh to gosh, yes, that's thing. true. I mean, so, I don't know if he's getting redeemed. That seems to be the popular. Yeah, but then the other choice is his mother has to be in charge of killing him. So it's like right. I'm not really sure how you're going to get out of this one. We'll see what they do, and I'm sure that'll control what the in charge of killing him. What do you mean? Well, she's think, heading up the forest. I think Chew, Chewie should kill him. <laughs> he gave it his best shot. Chewie's going to be he the hero. He tried. <laughs> he gave yeah. it his best. I mean, I just kind of felt like it's going to be Ray and him facing off at some point, and it's either yeah. Ray or him, and odds are it's going to be Ray who comes out on top. I mean, they obviously are teasing a a potential redemption arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, whether they go through with it or not, I, I think I think it's 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 not clear it's not predictable which is a good thing right and then snoke becomes the the ultimate baddie and everyone's fighting against snoke yeah snoke is just the emperor for this trilogy yeah yeah well let's talk about his theme uh found in track 17 of the soundtrack um i love this it's not much of a theme but i love it i mean it's just it takes the gutturalness of the of of the emperor's theme and just ups the ante by like a million it's just as basically dark as you can be um and that was one of the few moments even the first time i saw the film with the bad mix and low volume that i could hear it and was like man if this was a little bit stronger in this mix this scene would be so much more powerful despite the horrible cg um look of snoke which i thought that was did peter jackson direct that scene (laughs) (laughs) one because it it sure as hell looked a lot like Azog or something from The Hobbit. I mean, it really did. And it's, oh, it's, it kind of did. I didn't think. And it's Andy that. Circus, and I'm just, I'm just like, oh come on. I was sad it's just that virtual he... turbo golem. 
I was very sad that they went 100%. I knew he was doing motion capture, but I don't want to see Ray or Luke Skywalker fighting a CG guy at some point. I don't want to see that. Um, so I was very disappointed that he was full CG. But I love his theme, as basic as it is. Um, Maybe it'll be a Wizard of Oz situation yeah, where, it, you know, that, there's someone else behind the curtain. Yeah, it could it could very well, well be. seem to make a point of Maybe. making it obvious that he was a hologram or something. or projection Yeah, or yeah. yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I bet he's actually like three inches tall. <laughs> it just seems so such a I don't know maybe maybe so well, that worried me when I first saw it thinking that Snoke is like 10 20 feet tall and oh. I was like oh no this is this is and then he became and then he was a hologram like oh great okay that makes sense thank you please because yeah. there's no way anybody can fight that guy exactly um so yeah um yeah that makes me th- think that maybe there's something else happening behind the hologram well, but I mean, we're introduced Maybe. to the Emperor that way in in, in Empire yeah. Strikes Back. He's just a big, huge hologram. Yeah, so. I, I think it's pretty obvious what an Emperor analog he is, though, and that I think that's that's another thing that's like, and the music follows suit too. I mean, it's basically the Emperor's theme without the theme. <laughs> yeah, See, it's, it's more to me. It's more to me. It, well, it is, but it's 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 basically palpatine's teachings from revenge of the sith that kind mm-hmm. of low throat singing that yeah that's it right reminded me more of that that's than, true than the emperor's theme which really had this uh real straightforward melodic line to it this is more atmosphere that's true um it works it's something i honestly would rather just skip on the soundtrack um but it, it works for the character yes. but it, I, I don't feel like it has that that melodic hook the way the uh, the emperor's theme did, but it's along the the same sort of, of lines that real dark, deep evil. And and interestingly, right. the, so much of the speculation about Snoke, about who he might be, um, if he it turns out to be who they speculate him to be, then having that musical tie to that scene and that music from Revenge of the Sith is key, is super super key. Um, I hope it's not, but I know where you're going with that. Yeah, I mean, I really hope it's not, but I, w- I don't know if any of you read the book Darth Plagueis. Um, it was no. probably one of my favorite of all the extended expanded universe, and them making that not canon was really, really ticked me off mm-hmm. because it makes the Phantom Menace good because it it crosses over into that time frame, and it's like, oh, this was the story that needed to be told. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of hope it. I hope they do mine as much as they can from that book because it is fantastic. Um, and if that's where they're going, I, I'm all on board with it. But they need to change his name <laughs> because that's not a good name. That's yeah, a my God, it's a dumb name. It sounds like a Pokemon. <laughs> it's a really bad name. This is it's it's Star Wars. What did you? But then expect? again, you know what? The way they were saying it Count, in the movie, Count, I was like, I it's bought not it. Harry Potter. Okay, I mean, it's, true. Not, it's, it's not as Harry bad Potter. as Count Dooku. It is a guy named as Greedo. <laughs> a greedy character is named Greedo, so you could get away with that. But I don't know what Greedo. Snoke means, I, I, other than it's like, snake. It's like smoke. Smoky but... snake. Smoky Sm- snake. Yeah. Okay, got it. <laughs> now I understand. Um, but I, I just love, I do love, just for the contrast in color and feel from the rest of the score, it just leapt out at me like, oh, this is different. This is... Mm-hmm. This is dark. There's no, there's no redemption of that theme. Um, it's going to be dark and through and through. Stark. It felt very religious to me too. Yes. Um, so 
and I was reading, um, and I guess I shouldn't read too much into it, but uh, the Knights of Ren are, are apparently a religious order. Um, so I'm not sure if that connects into it. But, oh, I think it does. Yeah. I think it definitely does. Um, yes. But there was, it was definitely a very dark Gregorian thing happening. Yeah. Yes. Just to see if we get the text. Is yeah. It's a Sanskrit translation of a Kipling poem. Huh. But I don't have any idea which. Which one? That would um, be telling. I'm sure yeah. it would be very telling. I really want to know now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll get something soon. Um, first order. Uh, I'm not sure what that motif or theme is. I'm sure there is one. I mean, it, I, I, I conflate it with um, Kylo's theme, so I'm not quite sure where one ends and one begins. Anyone have any thoughts on the First Order? There is a, like a really big kind of striking dark brass motif that just basically the first thing you hear after the main title as the First Order ship is like passing across the face of the of, mm-hmm. the, of Jakku. Yep. And I thought that was it, but then it never returned, so I'm, I don't know. Mm. Or it, it, would, did, it didn't return in a way that I recognized. It would make, that would make sense for it to be in that position. Any other thoughts about the First Order? I, I'm, I'm still not even sure. I mean, you know, they've gone the complete opposite from the prequels in terms of political uh, explanations, you know, orientation of this organization versus this. I mean, I assume the Republic's in power. But somehow the First Order has come together and they're pretty, pretty strong. But yet the Republic has this resistance to resist the First Order. Yet the Republic should be infinitely larger than this First Order. I don't really. That's one of the that's one of the biggest problems I had with the film is it's basically it's basically pushed the reset button and and set things back to big, powerful empire versus rebellion without any explanation whatsoever. And for me, it kind of, it kind of cheapens the original trilogy. I just I want to understand like, what's going on is all I want it, to know. It feels like, what have they really achieved in Return of the Jedi if this is just the state of affairs 20, 30 years down the line? It's pretty much exactly the same as it was in the original trilogy. Well, that was an empire. This is a republic. So that's... It's right, but the pre- First Order is... That is just doing exactly what the Empire did, marching around the solar system and blowing up planets. But they're not in. But they're not in control. They're trying to get control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like they're like the rebellion now. And exactly. It doesn't it's, feel any different, though. Well, it doesn't. What the, way what the they Republic is it. now is, I mean, they're kind of loosely aligned planets, like allied with each other. Right. And the capital has now been blown up in this in this episode, and the um. Yeah, the the capital planet was the one that's blown up. That was in the the Star oh, Killer Hosian yeah. system or whatever it was called. Yeah, the yeah the Hosian system, and um, that's where the Senate is, um, for the um, the New that Republic. A, so, a... the First Order, their entire thing is that there is no order within the New Republic, and they need to bring back the rule of the Empire in order to control everything Mm. Mm -hmm. but why resistance i mean that doesn't if you're in power why are you named the resistance that's very confusing yeah exactly well if something is gaining ground i mean i don't know yeah you can't call them the rebels anymore no you can't you can't but resistance like a synonym to rebel you know it should it would seem like 
they would have a more proactive name, not a reactive name like that. You know what I mean? It's just it's just kind of odd. I guess yeah, like, I just think the, uh, the the empire or the the, the the remains of the empire were already there. Um, I mean, just because you blow up a Death Star doesn't mean that you've gotten rid of thousands of imperial ships and and soldiers sure. that are still around. And they just had to reorganize. And the way I see it is that the original trilogy is World War One. This new one's World War Two. Yeah. And um, you know, they needed some time to what, what does that like, make to get prequels? going? Uh, who knows? I don't. History that was never written. I don't <laughs> <laughs> just just made up stories that people tell um, future Jedi when they go to bed. I did like that this was late in exposition, though, very much so because I mean, when we jump into a new hope, we don't have a background on who the That's Empire true. is and who the rebels are, and that but kind it's of exposition clear. just it's clear. And we have the down. crawl. The crawl is all we need. Yeah, it's very, yeah. It, very clear. It was very clear in the first, in a new hope. It was just yeah, big empire, little rebel. Solving the Senate and things like that that we don't really know what that means. And yeah, it's just a throwaway a line that you're like, oh, yeah. later. I'm sure we'll learn more as. Oh, I'm sure, know. but yeah. at least or or it's just one of those things that doesn't make sense. Like why after 20 years they're still flying X wings and the only thing they've improved <laughs> is the paint job. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've changed a few things here and there. They've but... definitely improved the targeting computers. I mean, if you look at what they have on the Millennium Falcon versus on the new com- yeah. on the newer ships. <laughs> What's interesting... Yeah, but I mean, like, we're, look at cars from 20 years ago versus cars of today, and we're talking about, like, space fare. I mean, I, I understand why, obviously, for, for the ships, it's it's like they're just there for nostalgia, but... Still, there's there's yeah. a lot you can nitpick here if you're if you're trying. And oh, I, for I sure. Think the whole point is to be like hand wavy. No, 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 no. Look, Chewie's back. Look, it's solo. <laughs> like, just... Yeah, but if you look at cars 20 years ago to today, what is it other than, you know, a better chassis and a better paint job? It's mm-hmm. still internal combustion. Mm-hmm. Unless well, haven't these things always been pretty, pretty impressionistic in the Star Wars world anyway? I mean, well, <laughs> I still don't know exactly what the Empire was really trying to do most of the time. What what was their what was their big thing? They never well, saved the and defeat the rebels. Yeah. It was Evil. right. Well, well, but I mean, the rebels were pushing against this. They didn't exist to defeat the rebels. The rebels existed right. to try to stop the empire. What was the empire's big push to get out? You know, the old republic or whatever it, it was. Well, called. I mean, it was all Palpatine. He wanted ultimate yeah. power over the galaxy. Right. Emperor, yeah, unlimited, empire. unlimited okay. power. But, unlimited power. But what was his? What was? You know, didn't the old Republic want power as well? I mean, and I'm not saying that there's, I'm sure that's in some book or some comic book or yeah. stir. I don't know what. But, I don't know. They never really come out and say what any of the politics ever were. You never really know. Uh, it seemed like they said a lot of politics <laughs> in the. I'm talking. I'm talking about the original trilogy. Oh, in the trilogy. No, which they... is what I like about the original yeah. trilogy. Yes. It doesn't have to be spelled out for you. Sure. And just like the, this the movie, Empire it's like... was evil because we were told they were evil. That's yes, exactly, and that's what's happening here: the good guys, bad guys, and let's get it on. But 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 I wasn't confused in the original trilogy. I'm not confused here, though. I really, I'm not. I get who's bad. I get who's good, and I get what's going on. It's. Uh, I, I just, I'm not really, I mean, it's like I said, it's a, I would it's think it's a new order, not the first order. It, it just, it's not as clear to me. The I bad mean, guys it's... want power back again, and they're yeah. willing to do anything to, to get that power back. And, yeah, and that's but... kind of where the, you know, it feels like the Nazis in World War II. Oh, it does feel like the Nazis. That speaking speech of which, scene, that that yeah, speech that scene rally. was pretty on the nose, wasn't it? Yeah, me? and that was fantastic. Oh, I didn't, I didn't. Well, I cracked, I, that cracked me up. Hux, I did not like. Stormtroopers. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah exactly. it's always been sure. you know, yes. Nazi-esque. Sure. 
for sure. But, they but did, this is they the first the time it's been almost literal. Everything. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, I thought it was like really on the nose and totally it unnecessary. A, it yeah. got a huge laugh here in Germany. I can tell you. Oh that. my gosh! Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> huge laugh. Yikes! Yeah, I, it was a little too, a little too on the nose. I didn't like most of their costume designs and all. It was just like, what? Can we progress a little bit further from that? And yeah, and I didn't like what. Why was that necessary? To yeah. like, we they're evil. We we get it. Like, do we have to just everything that's like the maximum evil, and we have to make <laughs> that parallel in order to drive this point home? Like, I, it's it was totally a non sequitur thing for me. That's hey, like it yes, was, it was that yes, way. In New Hope. So it's going to be that way in this one. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean it was they they're so. It's like they're fanboys of the Empire, really, if, if yeah, you want to look sure. at it that way. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to restore the Empire, and they have Kylo Ren, like the ultimate fanboy, as their, you know, power guy. And it's that's the way it is. Yeah. Because, because they want to hold on to it like that. They've modeled themselves after something. Yeah, that's true to an extreme to an extreme yeah i guess that's the case and the same with kylo same deal yeah to an extreme he doesn't need a well he needs a mask now but he, <laughs> he didn't need a mask all that time um okay let's move well, on to we talk about snoke's theme um someone mentioned you know the resistance uh theme of uh, the shirt for x-wings probably one of the more memorable and stronger pieces um from this from the score um, felt a little weird having it, you know, it, it didn't have that propulsive kind of feel um, that that I, I think I would prefer. I mean, it's a great piece, but when I hear Williams do a shirt, so I'm th I think of Indiana Jones for some reason. Um, it has that kind of delight to it, and and I feel like the resistance should feel, and he does some of the variations of it. And way, the way well, isn't, the, isn't the scherzo mostly based on the main title theme? Yeah, it's mostly Luke's theme or the main. Yeah, the scherzo. Huh? The scherzo is not so much the resistance yeah. theme. Yeah, no, the resistance, the resistance theme, is the theme march. is something different. That's yeah. right. Wait, wait, that's wait, what wait. you first hear when the uh, when we first the X wings come in for their first battle. That's we hear the uh, the resistance march there. March of the resistance. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the it's scherzo second. is during the second battle. Oh, okay. Uh, Star Killer, and that got chewed up quite a bit. Oh, you're right. Um, in 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 the movie, uh, I thought I was I was expecting to hear more of the Star Wars theme. And uh, I, I, again, I don't know whether the Scherzo for X-Wing on the soundtrack is a concert arrangement or whether that was an actual film cue, but it was it was quite different in uh, in, in the film. Uh, it, it felt like it was edited and played around with a little bit more than than the straight playing you hear. in the, OK, in you're the soundtrack. right. Yeah, yeah, I think that is I don't think that's straight from the from the uh, from, from the film. I was think, saying Scherzo um, and thinking March. The march even oh. feels a little odd to me for, for the resistance. I kind of agree with you, and I think that the problem is that um, Williams has basically been doing tracks like this since the tank chase from Last Crusade. Yeah. And the la and he's already done one of those for Star Wars, and it was for the droid army in Phantom Menace, and it feels weird to have the same kind of music be for the good guys now. Yeah, kind of. Kind it doesn't of. feel very heroic to me. Yeah, it was more know. of a feel-good piece for that sequence, like here are the X-Wings, and I think it was on for about a minute, and while they were kicking butt, it wasn't as dramatic. It was more of, uh, all right, X-Wings, and let's mm -hmm. just watch them do their thing, and you knew they were going to kind of win that battle. They also, so 
it's a little more uh, it's a little more whimsical. It's a little more fun. It's a little more kind of on the nose, uh, heroic than um, you know something like you hear like the Rebel fanfare or you know the here here they come cue from right. uh, from Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing though. I don't I don't really get like heroics off of the Resistance march that much. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not I like sure it. If heroics I... is the intent though. I mean, heroics they're not quite. I don't know. I don't. I don't think they've quite earned that just yet. Hmm. I mean, I feel like, like a, that's like what they're presenting them as. It's like a cavalry moment, though, in the film. So. Yeah, that, and that that that's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I like the piece. I like Williams in that mode. Yeah. But I think he's been in that mode better than he is here, because he he does write. He does he does do that whole like tank chase from indie thing a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I could be wrong, but um, and I might get my technology um, terminology wrong, but it feels more. Um, I'm gonna say fugal. Uh, it, it sounds yes, yeah, like exactly uh, right. like the Jaws cage mm. uh, music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually a little I, bit more classical of you than even Jaws. It's kind okay. of the first time he's done one that's really, really in that or first one for a while in that, in that classical mode. But you're exactly right. That is what's happening. Or something like uh, Black Sunday. Mm. Uh, no. You know, no. That's what it. That's what it felt like. I didn't think it was gonna work. Honestly, I, I listened to it for the first time. I'm like, oh wow, this could this could be really cheesy. And um, I don't know. Maybe it was just nostalgia again hitting me in the right place um, <laughs> when I saw those X-wings come yeah. in. It was just—it's a powerful moment. Just so cool. Yeah, just so cool. And I think Williams was like, you know, let's just have fun with this because that's what this this moment is, and 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 pretty much what this movie is. It's just fun. And of course, that one great scene where uh, Finn is watching—and I'm assuming it's Poe in his X-wing. Oh yeah, and that long like one eighty. Yeah, three, yeah. And it was so, and he's cheering. He's like, "Whoa." And like we're doing the same thing, and you know he was able to geek out right, right on set, and right there. Um, and I think uh, what a just great, great yeah. stuff. I love that, and yeah. uh, the music works with that. I think, and that's where you know William saw that as a as a fun scene more than a, an, a, a too much of a dramatic scene. But then of course you know Kylo Ren comes in, and of course it turns much darker. Right. And uh, and Williams is so good at just kind of you know on the nose, just changing his music and changing tone, and it uh, I think it worked great. So I was really worried. But um, I love that theme now. I really do. Okay. Um, let's move to the last track uh, of the soundtrack, track 23, The Jedi Steps and Finale. This has probably gotten, um, I've probably seen more people talk about this and Ray's theme more than anything uh, online, on Twitter, and so forth. Um, uh, because this particular uh, theme isn't used anywhere else. Um, it has a familiarity to me. I was wondering why, and it turns out they did use it in one of the TV spots. Um, uh, this seems to be the one that people are, are really, really loving, aside from Ray's theme. Uh, what do you guys think about the, this Jedi Steps idea, and what do you think it means, if anything? You think it's going to be an enduring theme? Is it now representing Luke and Ray, or what, what does this mean, and what do you think of the theme itself? Well, right now it's kind of a moment more than a, a recurring theme. It's, it's, True. It doesn't have any sort of particular uh, relevance dramatically yet. It certainly could, and it's a glorious moment. I mean, it's a wonderful finale. Um, it kind of begins with the you know inversion of that the intervals that we associate with the, with Luke's theme or the main title theme, which is kind of cool to have it hidden in there. And then it, you know, when, again, when you get to the end of that end credit suite, it finally is turned around back into Luke's theme. Um, 
it's a glorious moment. I mean, it's it's a it's a really strong finale. Even people I think that have issues with other parts of the of the film or with the score seem to be completely in love with the ending, which is a nice thing to see. Wait, hold on now, Doug. You just said mm-hmm. something that I'm glad you said it because I forgot about it. You talked about this theme morphing into Luke's theme. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it, well, it, it starts with that that fifth but descending instead of ascending mm-hmm. um so it's possibly a reference it's possibly just williams trying to keep it in the same grammar but it's it's an interesting choice for that particular scene where you finally get the loop reveal mm-hmm. but go ahead eric okay well uh, my idea is that luke needs a new theme luke's theme's the star wars theme mm-hmm. and I think more people associate that with Star Wars than they do with Luke Skywalker, even yes, though they it was do. Luke's theme in the New Hope. So I think now, um, especially with where Luke is in his life and what he's about to do, I think he is getting a new theme that is not the heroic mm. Star Wars theme, which we heard sprinkled throughout this uh, movie and throughout the prequels as well that had nothing to do with Luke. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is a new standalone uh, theme for for Luke himself or the teachings between uh, Luke and, and Ray but I think this is this is Luke's theme and, and hearing the way uh, Doug describes the music it, it sort of well I'm not gonna say confirms but it, it confirms what I, I'm thinking is 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 going to be Luke's new theme I thought it was Ray's theme honestly when I saw the trailers and mm. I think we all thought this was mm-hmm. Ray's new theme yep I uh, did. because because the, the, the the piece was played over kind of the over Ray's Ray. trailer mm-hmm and so to hear it where it is right now, um, it would be interesting if this is a new theme for Luke, which would be just, wow, that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And ballsy. For, and it makes for sense. It yeah. definitely makes sense because his, his theme has been co-opted um, by so many other things and in so many other ways. It's just like it's not doesn't belong to him anymore. Although the first I, theme was kind of Obi-Wan's theme, wasn't it? It was. That was yes. really where yeah. it started. But yeah. that's the one thing I wanted to bring up, too, to clarify for people. The force theme is not Luke's theme. <laughs> It, I mean, it's driving me mad how many reviews, how many podcasts I've listened to that everyone was referring, referring to the Force theme as Luke's theme. And so I'm just going to play in this podcast quickly that this is Luke's theme. This is the Force theme. not the same they're very different so if luke gets a new theme that will be great because people will stop <laughs> calling the force theme luke's theme hopefully I agree too yeah i mean because i mean this luke is not the kid that we met on right. tatooine it's not the swashbuckler anymore yeah he doesn't want to go down to tashi station and pick up some power <laughs> converters anymore 
But Uncle Owen. But I, yeah, I do no. love the softer performances of his of that motif, in, especially in A New Hope. But even at the very end of uh, Revenge of the Sith, uh, when there's little baby Luke, um, I, I love that um, uh, variation of it. I love that performance orchestration of it. Um, well, as he's a po- the master now, and I yeah. think it's so appropriate that there's this mystical sounding theme that could potentially become his um, Mm -hmm. as he joins, you know, the upper echelons of, you know, Yoda and Obi-Wan and, you know. Yeah, agreed. It's so appropriate. Agreed. Any other thoughts about that particular track or what might be a theme going forward? Um, Doug, you brought up uh, another motif that uh, may exist the map motif. Yeah, I'm not totally sure. I, I've only seen it one time, and as I said, I did wait for most of the album to uh, to catch it in the film. But I think there was a little short motif that recurred a couple of times, mentioned along with the map. Um, I'm sure that's something we'll all catch on subsequent viewings and listenings. Can you describe it a little? What what it what the shape of it is or instrumentation? Mm, I think it was just like a little two chord thing. It was very 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 brief. Okay, okay. Well, it should probably appear early in the film because um, the map is brought into play almost immediately. So one would think it would be there um, and then all throughout. Um, so we'll look for that. That'll be homework. Find the map. <laughs> I'll look for it, too. And I'm not I'm not convinced I'm right at this point. But oh. it's, it's kind of fun to have, you know, Star Wars be a little bit out of focus right now. I like learning. Yes. I 100% agree with you. That's part of the beauty of of Star Wars. It, you can dig and dig and dig. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you guys saw, I think it was today, may have been yesterday, that um, both Yoda and Obi-Wan are in this film. Mm-hmm. I did not yes. know. Yes. That was yes. pretty awesome. Um, a couple and, of Obi-Wans. Yes, both Obi-Wans. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those who don't know what we're talking about, um, I forget who reported it. Uh, originally so forgive me uh, but, entertainment weekly i think oh yeah you're right ew um so they're in the in ray's flashback we hear both yoda and obi-wan and the obi-wan they actually got ewan mcgregor to say i don't know which what line it was um but he did come in and do some uh recording for that part and then they took the word afraid spoken by uh sir alec guinness and made it say ray ray um, and then Yoda, I think, was no. They found a no from, I don't know, Empire? Or it must have been Empire. It would be, yeah. Um, and that was all. And I heard the no in there. And I was like, man, I don't know what that's from, but I've, it certainly sounds familiar. Uh, I mean, they took a whole line from Yoda, so Empire, like uh, the force flows within us and surrounds us all. Didn't they take that line? In, in the movie? Entirety? Yeah, didn't they? I don't think that's uh, in the movie. Yeah, when uh, I think it's Maz, um, right after Ray has her, not during that sequence, but uh, right after uh, Ray has oh, her vision. Oh, she says the same uh, thing. She says the exact same thing. Yes. And that was the only part where I went, ooh, that's a little too close. A little too ooh, literal, thought, too thought, exactly the same. Um, but I, I, don't, I, I, don't, like, I don't, sorry, go ahead. I thought I heard the actual line of Yoda's during oh, really? the flashback, like uh, in the in the in the sound mix, kind of like faded in and out for like a second, and it was mm. that exact line from okay. Empire Strikes Back. Well, I don't know. I, I have to see it again. I don't. That I didn't part hear, was so confusing for it me. It was I didn't so much anything. going on. I was just like, "What's going on? And why is <laughs> what is up with Luke's saber? Anybody else got any ideas? It's, it's the what? One Ring. It's the <laughs> one ring. 
<laughs> How'd they find it? Yeah, someone. What, someone so many mysteries. What? Like what? What? What's, this is uh, going back to what Doug originally said. This is what's great about this Star Wars. There's so yeah. many layers and things, and they don't answer every question or even try to. And that's half the fun, to be honest. It, it Do we really want to know what, what, how they got Luke's saber? Do you think they're going to? Yeah, I think they'll tell. I mean, what's her face? Maz Kanata said, you know, it's a story for another time. So, okay, so. book, yeah. comic book. Yeah. TV something's gonna something's going to get but you know it's at the bottom film she gets her own spinoff film oh, I too hope not. I hope not um, the bottom of Bespin you know is just sitting there at the bottom <laughs> I wouldn't pick with his hand next to his hand yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's in a box um, somewhere as well uh, that next movie Bespin Bespin is a gas giant how the heck are they gonna find no that? not I should say the bottom of Bespin bottom of Cloud City because I assume it has a bottom. But wouldn't it have fallen out at the exhaust port where, you know, Clogged the eventually uh, yeah. may or may not have gone through the same thing? Where... It's, at, it's at the core of that planet now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someone was very resourceful. Um, like some janitor at the bottom of that uh, you know, big shaft. that got hit in the head with it. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I wish these guys would hold on to their life. What's going on up there? <laughs> Um, all right. Any more on any of the new things? We were going to talk about reprise themes, but we kind of have mentioned most of those. Were there any reprise themes that we didn't talk about? There's one new theme that that we haven't that we haven't touched on oh, actually, okay. which is uh, Poe Dameron's. Uh, so, yes. Did he have one? That's where I'm not sure whether he did. I don't know what it is. I'm pretty there sure was he a did. there was a fan there was a fan for when he escaped the uh, the the starfighter yeah. uh, the the um, starship. And I'm not sure whether that was his theme, but I don't I think, think I heard it again. I'm pretty sure it was because I thought I heard it again in the final battle with him. Okay. Yeah. I love I love that part. That was so good. And that that was the classic Star Wars. Um, that felt like classic Star Wars to me. That that brass uh, fanfare. Was, yeah, it was very. It was yeah, so good. I mean, it was very kind of like flyboy dashing, which is perfect yes. for the character. Yeah. Mm. I have to listen more closely there. Interesting. Um, okay. Well, as we wrap it up here, um, I'm going to ask you guys what your favorite musical moment from the score is thus far in just a second. Um, before we do that, though, I just want everyone to be able to find out where they can find and follow you. Um, so, Kristen Romanelli, where, where can people find and follow you? The easiest way to find me is on Twitter at KB for now. K-B-F-O-R-N-O-W. All right. And Marius Massler, where, where can people find and follow you? Twitter is probably easiest for me as well. I'm at mostly Marius, M-A-R-I-U-S. And Eric? Uh, Twitter, Sinsound Radio, uh, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash cinematic sound and at cinematicsound.net. Edmund? You can find me at Edmund Minerts, And even if I don't tweet very often, if you ever need to ask me something, I will definitely respond. <laughs> Awesome. And Doug Adams. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Adams Music. Awesome. All right, guys. Our final question of the night or topic or point. Um, what's your favorite musical moment from this Star Wars The Force Awakens, whether it was on the CD or in the film? Um, Doug, why don't you start? Uh, I loved the large-scale developments of Ray's theme at the end during the lightsaber battle uh, to hear that that theme was probably the one that had the most self-contained development within the score mm. mm-hmm. and to hear it go from those delicate lonely very wispy suggestions at the beginning of the picture 
to this full-out heroic self-realized moment at the end. I thought that was very, very effective and very moving. Mm. Awesome. Edmund, what about you? Uh, there's actually there's several that stand out to me. I think one that we haven't talked about yet is the Star Killer scene, mm-hmm. which is kind of a standalone piece, this like really like elegiac, impassioned string piece, which I think works really, really well in context. Mm. Um, it was a it was a powerful scene. Yeah. Or it's one of the most music it's definitely one of the most visually striking scenes in the film too, and the music adds to that so much, I thought. So. Yeah. It, it actually so, puts some emotion into people getting blown up by the billions that we knew nothing about. <laughs> like, well, at least they showed the people, unlike in the original trailer, just like, oh, look, there's Alderaan. But Boom. I felt a heck of a lot more for Alderaan than I did for whoever those people were. <laughs> I mean, they were no ones. They were just, oh, okay, bye, um, times five. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I do like, I did like that, how the, the music worked there. Um, yeah, and I, and I do have to give a shout out also to the um, Han and Leia scene with Leia's theme and the Han Solo and the Princess theme, mm-hmm. making their reprises. Yes, Eric Woods, what was your favorite musical moment? Uh, this may be a cop out because I'm going with an original trilogy theme, but uh, hearing the Rebel fanfare yeah. for the first time when we see that piece of garbage. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. And you know what? I'm so glad that during there was a promotional uh, uh, scene. Remember, it was like 15 seconds of actual, you know, a scene from, from this movie where we're running around. Well, anyway, they, they nipped out that line, uh, Finn's line, about, you know, what about that piece of garbage? Oh, they did? Or what about, or oh, what about that? And then she says, oh, well, that piece of garbage? And that was taken out. So when good. I heard that, I'm like, oh, wow. That, and them. I'm like, oh, wait, that's the Falcon. And all of a sudden, the pan over, and it was just, it was a giddy moment for me. And as I said earlier, it was one for my son as well. So, uh, you know, going to see a Star Wars movie with my boy, and I mean, my daughter was with me as well, but I mean, come on, this is a guy. Kristen, I know, but you know, but you know, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, we all, I love Ray. My, my daughter loves Ray. She couldn't, she grabbed my hand uh, during the lightsaber battle. And she's, she's like, like Why I don't you want anything to happen to Ray. I don't have And she was holding her hand, my hand over her face, hoping that Ray wouldn't get it. So oh, she definitely wow. connected with Ray. But anyway, this was a guy moment. This was us, you know, there's the Falcon. The Falcon is a character. Yeah. And Williams was able to take that theme because we weren't going to need it anymore in this, in this, uh, in this film. Yeah. And he now has made it the theme for a vehicle for crying out loud. Yeah. And it was just like the most giddy, amazing fanboy moment uh, ever. And of course there's Kylo Ren's music. Every time that came on, I just, I, I absolutely, absolutely loved it. So you totally but, uh, stole my moment, but that's okay. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> the crowd, my audience, the first time I saw it, I mean, it was like almost a standing ovation when they panned over to, cause I heard, I heard garbage and then explosion. I didn't have yeah. time to process it. Next thing I know, it's pan over and it was just like, oh my gosh, best yeah. reveal of the of the of the film. I mean, it was, it was so exciting. That was a, yeah, you that told, was fantastic. You totally stole my moment. That's okay. Sorry, <laughs> um, Kristen. Did you share yours? No, you didn't. What's yours? No, I didn't. The Falcon moment because it's and the best girls I, moment of the film. I object right? to that whole guys moment <laughs> thing because when the Falcon was revealed, that piece of junk. I like squeed like in a totally girly way. By the well, way, well, don't forget, Hans made and it very clear the Falcon is a girl. He did. Very did. He's always there. Yeah, come on, baby, don't let me down. He's always yeah, calling her her and she. So, baby, he might not have been a girl. And anyway. Ray was well, her pilot. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, she did. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was just the ultimate Star Wars geek moment there. Um, you know, uh, but that it, was so good. It definitely was. And don't, I again, I mentioned this earlier. I don't want to take away uh, anything from anybody else, but I just love the way that um, what made that Falcon chase so cool was that she really didn't know how to fly it, mm-hmm. and that it was kind of skipping along. Like well, the first time she lifted off and she didn't know what she was doing. Yeah. And the the the, the cockpit kind of hit the yeah. hit the sand. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody else was doing this, but my like my hands were in my mouth and I'm biting my nails. I'm like, don't hurt the falcon. <laughs> and, and she was kind of skimming along the the sand as well. Yeah. Like she didn't really have full control, which was so cool. And then I also noticed that uh, none of the stormtroopers could hit the falcon like they do in any Star Wars movie. Mm. But Finn couldn't hit the Tie Fighter fighters either because he's a stormtrooper. I don't know whether that was done on purpose. I thought they made a not. point of making it clear that they could shoot because when they're first introduced and they come out of their little carrier, right, yeah, true. they just they start blowing like people like away. They hit some whole action scene. You know, it was like, oh my god, they're missing and Finn's missing as well. And I don't know whether I, I didn't think about that it. was just me or whatnot, but I just that whole sequence of like even the even the the, the kind of the uh, the the tail drag that the Falcon does yeah. and comes across the camera and heads into one of the, it just. The, the way they reimagined all that, I mean, there's no way you could beat the asteroid field, but man, that, that came close. She she may not have been able to fly it to begin, but by the end, she pulled off probably the coolest Millennium Falcon move <laughs> ever. That yeah. move was just, that was, I was like, so okay, cool. all yeah. right, you can fly the Falcon. You do that, you it's yours. Yeah, that's right. Han uh, Solo basically gave it to her, so. Yeah. He did. Yeah. But she earned it. He didn't get she just did. give it. She, she gave her the keys. Poor she, Chewie. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't even talked about that moment. No, he was so good. Chewie had stuff to do in this movie. We haven't even talked about the biggest moment of the film. I felt, man, I felt so hard for Chewie. Yeah. I mean, they telegraphed it a thousand miles, they but they, I still, I mean, it was one of the best moments when the light from that sun runs out and that shadow comes back across his face. Because up to that moment, like, oh, maybe he's not going to kill him. Yeah. Yep. And then sun goes out, dark on the face, red on the face. And I'm like, oh, man. That part was beautiful. It could have been done a little bit better. But when they did. And he knew it had to happen. Yes. From yes. the moment he signed on, I'm like, yes. he's dying. Because that's, that's been his goal for, for 30 years is to kill Han Solo. That's true. But, <laughs> yeah. it, but it felt a little clunky at first. But then that moment there made the moment worth it. Um, just how it genuinely looked like he was struggling uh, with the light, the light side, and then that darkness, and then boom. I was like, oh, that's that was phenomenal. There was, was a split a second fantastic. when I wasn't sure if they were going to do it. And yes. Even though I did know, I I knew, I knew that it was coming. Mm-hmm. Me I too. still lunged. Unfortunately. I lunged forward in the theater, <laughs> like, and grabbed, like, the seats in front of me. Like, seriously. <laughs> Mm, completely yeah. dramatic it made but, it more yeah. tense for me knowing that it was coming it's like how is it going to happen he's just going to do it yeah. he's going to turn around he's going to start walking away he's going to hug him and do it while he's hugging it made it more tense in a way mm. in a weird way i thought yeah. i thought it was someone uh sorry i think it was Kristen who mentioned it was clunky and i, I thought said, harrison ford was a oh sorry who said it i said it was clunky okay it Initially. was it was a little clunky i thought there could have been more with harrison ford and i just thought that there was that 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 dad moment mm-hmm. <laughs> and but it was saved by the touch to the face. Yeah. That, that's where, like, okay, fine. Anything else that just happened there, that was the touch to the face. And I just, it just killed me inside to see him tumble off the platform. Oh, yeah. 
and then yeah, that was it. There the was no thing. Why was the tumble worse than the than the stabbing? I, I'm not Got sure. Me. Yeah, it did. That that hurt me more than than anything else because we're not getting the hero's funeral. We're not getting yeah. the, and it was just he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. We just never have seen Han Solo in such a position of just vulnerability, yeah. just falling to his death. Yeah. I mean, that was just like oh, gut wrenching. And was there music playing at that moment? I feel like oh, I was yeah. so was involved a, in that scene. I don't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> there is there's an extremely powerful repeated motif in that scene that was very very strong. It's in the uh the, the score track um Torn Apart. Okay, yeah, okay. that would make sense. That's a very powerful cue. Yeah. 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 As yeah. Well, I was I, I I'm surprised I didn't actually think to mention that in the favorite moments because that's also one of the moments where I thought the score did a hell of a lot of heavy lifting. I, I really was. Showed really a lot of restraint too, though. I thought it was wonderful that they didn't just depend on a nostalgic statement of his theme. They right. did something different with it. I thought that was. Well, a he doesn't have a theme choice. <laughs> I'll no. argue this one until I'm blue in the face. I still say he does. What What is it? The one that we all call Han Solo and the Princess. It's always that's played right. in counterpoint against Princess Leia. Oh, theme. I that's see. Right. Okay. Yeah. And Princess Leia's theme is actually in the concert suite. And it plays yes, on its own. Exactly so right. you're you're right. That is Han's theme. Hmm. I never associated just with him. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, no, but it's more for him. It's more you, you hear it. It's 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 just it's you watch the romantic Empire, at his heart. I guess. Yeah. It, it, it is romantic. It's them together, but it's really Han's. Um, Han's it's all over the beginning of Empire soft side before that we know he has. Together. That's right. Right. But yeah, it's only when they're together. Well, no. When no, Han the beginning of Empire. Tauntaun. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, they're playing it then. Yep, yeah. they do. They play Luke's theme, and then they play Han's uh, Han and Leia's theme. Oh. As it takes off on his Tauntaun. Okay. Oh wow, great. Um, okay, uh, Kristen, you shared yours. Nope. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I cut her off. Unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, that was me. I apologize. You had a guy moment. Cut me off. <laughs> Um, actually, uh, my favorite moment does tie into all of that. Um, it's when um, Ray returns and looks at Leia, and they have the rendition of the Han Leia theme, mm-hmm. um, which just made me cry like a baby in the theater. Um, so I, I loved that moment um, of these two women not speaking, but knowing yeah. It's having a conversation without words. Um, and the music tells you what's being said. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Mary, so what was your favorite musical moment? I don't know, honestly. I'm I'm struggling a little bit with this because I don't I didn't really walk away from the film with a collection of like specific moments where the music stood out to me, but as I've been listening to the album um, I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm on Doug's team here with with Ray's theme. I I'm so impressed by how much range that single theme has built into it. Like the 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 scope of change that occurs even within the one cue, let alone over the course of the film, is just musically very very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I can't like attach it to any specific moment in the film where I was like, ah oh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, like the the moments that you guys have mentioned were were great, but they're really not. For, for some reason, they didn't have as much of an impact on me. So I I think I need to go see it a couple more times and like yeah get a better sense. Yeah. Um, because initially I don't I didn't really come away with anything. Okay. So. Okay. That's no. That's totally legit. And um, 
you know, since Eric took mine, uh, I'll say as backup, um, Snoke's theme, just because it was one of the moments that I was like, became, maybe it's not a good thing, but I became keenly aware of the music at that point. And it's like, oh, wow, this is, even upon first listen, just on the soundtrack, it's like, oh, wow, this is, um, this is, this guy's dark, and there's no doubt about it. And so it was a very conscious musical consciousness moment for me i guess um but uh, to back that one up i'll say the very first note as the star wars logo hits the screen um knowing that what follows that is going to be something i've not seen before read before it's all new uh and that was a really special moment and i have we haven't talked about this either guys the sound this the orchestra is it's so much different from the LSO and that's a part of not that these guys are amazing fantastic musicians but the sound is different and it was a very apparent to me with that very first note the very first time I played the score I was like oh it's just a different sound and it's taken me some time to get used did anyone else have that reaction when you first heard it Oh, yeah. reaction to the main theme yep. the first note is probably the wimpiest version of that splash mm-hmm. onto the star wars logo i've ever it's, heard it's and i could not better believe than, better than kevin kiner's well sure yeah but i mean out of <laughs> all of them there's something missing i'm not yes. hearing a big uh timpani hit or that splash of cymbals and the trumpets don't sound right but the rest of it to me sounds more in line with what Eric Tomlinson was doing on the first film, very tightly mic'd, mm. very spacious. Uh, the prequels were a little bit more concert hall, yes. um, a little bit more reverb in the room. Uh, I still think Phantom Menace sounds amazing. And the recordings of the original trilogy you know, kind of changed. Star Wars and Empire sound very much the same, but they changed venues for Jedi. And I like the recording of Jedi as well. And Wait, it where stays did they very, record Jedi? Uh, in Anvil Studios, oh. I think. And they were somewhere else. Or it was Abbey Road. And then it was, An- it was Anvil yeah. for the first two. Doug might uh, remember. Yeah, think, but I know I they changed was, venues. Uh, I think it was Anvil and then Jedi. I think most of it. Uh, well, Anvil, I think, was Empire, wasn't it? And I think, I think for Jedi, they started there and then sort of ran out and had to use sort of a B orchestra for the end of it. Yes. Okay, yeah. I remember right. So, I mean, I think at that point, Tomlinson was freelancing or he wasn't part of a specific uh, studio or something along those lines. But, you know, the, you know, it's a different hall for the Hollywood Symphony, but it's very tight, Mike. And I was doing comparisons and this is probably the tightest recording since Star Wars. Um, There's not a lot of breathing room, but this might be one of the tightest, clearest uh, recordings that Sean Murphy has ever done for uh john williams it's it's quite impressive with the exception of that first note i just don't understand that so threw me off yeah it's very thin from then on i was just like wait what is this i'm listening to what where what's happening um aside from that uh that moment i'll I'll, I'll pick i guess is my it's my top musical moment my favorite musical moment um did um did your audiences react the same way mine did with cheers and you know, just oh, exuberance yes. out those first Absolutely. notes. Yes. It was it yes. was so wonderful. It was it was such a great thing to hear. Yes. Just the recognition of 
the music and being the overture to yes. this whole experience. The, the first time they did. The second time, I don't know if this audience had seen it like five times already, but it was dead. This is Saturday. I'm like, what's wrong with you people? Huh. They were just like, yeah, it's mattering of applause here and there. It was very, very, I don't know. It was just the, very, very toned down. Um, weird. I don't know. I mean, I was in a Friday afternoon mm-hmm. showing with, I mean, not really a full theater, but still, like. The vibe was, was there. It was yeah, electric. Yeah. The vibe was definitely there. It was very cool. Awesome. Thursday audience applauded every, you know, yes. old, old trilogy thing. Other than, uh, who was the little Lando's co-pilot, Nian Numb? Oh, Nian Numb, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he <laughs> nothing, and I felt bad for him. Nobody cared about him. No, no. I can't way. believe they brought him. I can't believe they brought him back, and then like Admiral Akbar's yeah. second cousin or whatever. Wasn't it him? I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, I think it was Akbar. Akbar. It was Ak- It was Akbar himself. I yeah. think so. It was the same voice. Wow. I didn't see the credits, left. but I'm pretty sure that was him. Yeah. I'm he looked younger. Sure. <laughs> oh, he looked younger. He but, you know, I will say this. I do wish JJ had brought a few more aliens, familiar alien species, back in because it's just like. I, uh, out of those two, other than those two, there's like none. I was like, who, what are these things? And I know they're on a oh, whole different the, part of the like galaxy, the... but there's just not, I, I would have liked to have seen more familiar, a couple more. They're just, it's so different in that regard. I hope the I was person a little in dis- red yeah. um, becomes something. Uh, oh, you know, the, the, with the red horn that, kind of things? Uh, I don't know who Finn, Finn was going to go off with yeah. these two. And um, like one talked like Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, I swear those were lines One that were ripped right out of Jedi. Lines, yeah, yeah, I'm and then but but whoever was in red was like, wow, that's a cool costume. I think I there's even a book that. about that guy. Really? Yeah, because I would have been on a cover of a book or her. I don't know what it is. Wouldn't Again, it's like me. it's almost like this Boba Fett thing where it's like cool costume. Let's see more. Speaking of Boba Fett, I think that's what they're trying to do with Captain Phasma. Although they got it backwards and they did all the marketing what? first. Instead of just letting her show up in the film and then say, everyone's like, oh, who's that cool person we know nothing about? I she want was that action figure. So yeah. you can do she, anything. Um, Wait, underdeveloped. Is she the Stormtrooper captain? Yes. Yes. The chrome okay, okay. One. Yeah, they gave her like a Boba Fett mask, like shiny helmet thing. I mean, her whole But she was supposed to be quite strong, and then she turns out to be like, oh, I'm going to turn off the, the, yeah. the, the shields for you, and <laughs> that's it. They, like, they what should, happened? Thanks. They should not yeah. have marketed her so strongly. They should have just made exactly. it a cool thing that we yeah. saw. Like, who's that? And then yeah. made drop the action figure later. They did it backwards, and, and it and I think it hurt her character in this because I think so too. we're expecting so much, and she did next to nothing. Well, they did it right with BB-8, though. He's going to sell oh, so many toys. Well, he sold beforehand, and now I mean, I didn't buy anything. So I'm like, these guys will earn my ancillary mm-hmm. dollars. I'm not giving them anything until I see the film, aside from the soundtrack and the art book, which, guys, get the art book. It's fantastic. If you want to – who was it? Mary, she were talking about them just using X-Wings and TIE Fighters and stuff. They yeah. did so much development. work. I don't know why they didn't use some of these um, other concepts, just fantastic stuff. J-Wings and crazy wings. Maybe they'll come in later films, but I'm like, they did so much conceptual work for this film – why they brought it all the way back down to, ah, we'll just go back with the TIE Fighter and the X-Wing, I don't know. But I highly, highly recommend um, the, art, the art of the, the Star Wars Force Awakens. It's, it's fantastic um, for the behind-the-scenes part. Anyway, 
Um, I think that's going to do it, everyone. I think we've talked it out. I appreciate uh, all of you coming out. Any final thoughts before we close out? Anything? Um, can we talk about the use of burning homestead in the lightsaber duel? Yes. I miss yes. that. Yes, it was the that, that was, was so, so distracting. I didn't it was even hear so it. good, but it was so distracting. You're which, right. Which it was, lightsaber like, battle? Uh, right when she, the lightsaber goes in, uh, she forces the lightsaber into her hand during the uh, Finn. They use burning uh, homestead, and then yeah, she holds on to the saber. Is that just the force the, theme? It's the force no, theme, no, but it's, it's burning homestead. It's the force homestead. theme with with the uh, uh, Dies Irae. Yep. Oh. On top of it. Yep. And I noticed that too, and I'm like, they did six months of recording with this, and they had to needle drop. Seriously? Oh. It worked. It. it worked. But I don't even think that was an original. I think that was the original recording, too. What? Yeah. I don't I'm, think it was the. I don't know if it was the original recording. It I didn't, felt like I didn't, it. It just didn't feel. It It, it sounded different. It, it, it just was a different mix to me, at least. And it was. Um, well, you're right. It was distracting. Is that on the soundtrack? No. 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 But I, it was. If it's and a new recording, is- I'm okay with it. But I think that if you needle drop. Why in the world do you have Williams around for six months and you have yeah. to needle drop a, a, a cue like that in there? Really That's weird. Old. I don't I don't even know what the connection is, though. I, I, I'm, that doesn't make any it's sense quite, to me to refer well, back to that. I, I don't think there's any connection to that scene in Star Wars. I just think hey, that's a, mm-hmm. that is one of the coolest renditions of the Force theme. It's ever. one of the most powerful Force themes, right. for sure. So yeah. I think it, it for me it worked. Um, but like I said, there's just a, a straight needle drop uh even that it was like wow uh i was kind of thrown back yeah. by that i missed that Especially, completely i was just yeah. so like yes mm-hmm. that i didn't I mean, even it's a great scene think about and the music scene. yeah but it's like wow i yeah that was quite distracting yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like in in episode three when they kept cutting back to the clash of lightsabers in the um in the anakin versus obi-wan duel you know right mm-hmm. Not because the music is bad; it's just distracting because you know it yeah. so well. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And you wouldn't think you'd have to do that. One would uh, think in this movie and the way that they went about the post production. Yeah, that's what just just throws me off. It throws mm-hmm. me off. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. All right. Yeah, but that that's not on the album, and neither is the Darth Vader. Theme. No, it's not. It's no. the not. one obvious statement of the Imperial March in the whole, oh, in the whole movie. One last interesting thing you noticed when he dropped his helmet. In not when he dropped it on the ground, um, when with Han Solo, but when he drops it, I think when what's her face Ray asked him to take yes. it off, he yes. drops it in a vat of ashes. Yes, and I was like, Yes, oh, you yep. didn't just get his helmet. That's right. Oh, I so got that gross. too. <laughs> so gross, the hardcore yeah. fanboy. Like, yes. seriously, I, t- yeah. I was like, Well. Because for a second, I was like, why, why did he just drop it in like an ashtray? I'm like, what was... <laughs> then it dawned on me, what the heck? I was like, oh my gosh, that dude is sick. Yeah. That dude yeah. is sick. <laughs> He's such a great character. He's He's ca- it's kind character. of ironic that he spends so much time like asking his father not to let him stray to the light, considering what exactly his father did at the end of his life. <laughs> True. Well, who knows what story he got told. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, I mean, you'd, you'd think Han and Leia would tell you're him what his let grandfather. Me end this, are you? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Um, we're at like two and a half hours. Uh, Gosh. So, I want to thank everyone for listening, tuning in to this episode 83 of the Soundcast. Again, you can contact us. Let us know what you thought of the Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Uh, what's your favorite theme? What'd you like? What'd you not like? 
how was your recording? Uh, you can do so at soundcast.tracksounds.com. Leave us a voicemail on our SpeakPipe widget or hit us up on tracks at Tracksounds on Twitter or on Facebook. Um, also, if you want to hear more episodes of the Soundcast, granted, the most, the newest one beside this one is going to be six months old. It's okay. They're still good. Uh, you can find us on Stitcher, Radio, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, or our RSS feed. Um, so, Doug, thanks so much for uh, joining us on the Soundcast. Uh, your book, the music, the Lord, music of the Lord of Ring films is out and about has been for years. Uh, Impossible Silence is it available? No, I think uh, sixteen. I think we're coming up next year. Finally. Next year, like early next year. Maybe fourth quarter to line it up with something else. Okay, fourth quarter, fourth quarter. I'll have to look calendar see what's coming on there. Thanks so much for 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 joining us today, Doug. We always love having you on and your expertise. Um, Kristen Romanelli, Managing Editor of Film Score Monthly Online. Thank you for joining us. What's in the latest edition of the month? Oh, okay. We went live on Friday uh, with the December edition. Uh, lots of Star Wars, surprisingly. Really? Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, lots of Star Wars. Uh, a little bit of current movies. Uh, a lot of it had to be pushed to January because there was just so much Star Wars. Did you get an um, interview with John Williams? Oh God, no! Oh, well, uh, no. Okay, uh, there is an interview with John Williams, and it's a very cool interview. Uh, we went into the archives; it's from 1978. Oh, okay, nice. So, I, I definitely recommend giving that a listen. It's very interesting to hear him talk about his upcoming project, Superman. Ah, so, nice. Yeah. I look forward to that. Um, and Eric Woods, host of the Cinematic Sound Radio Show, uh, thank you for joining us. What's on your most recent show or upcoming show? Uh, well, recent shows. Uh, I did a tribute to Eric Tomlinson, who uh, passed away uh, late November. Um, and I did a 19th anniversary show of my 19th? favorite songs. Yeah, 19th. Yeah, I got 20 coming up next. Awesome. Uh, um, and so I did my favorite songs. Uh, which was songs? actually a lot of fun. Like, yeah, songs, songs. Just my favorite film songs, film TV songs. Okay. Um, some popular ones and some interesting choices in there as well. So, um, and then I got a Christmas show coming up, which is going to be a little bit different than all my other Christmas shows. I'm going to go into uh, Die Hard and Lethal Weapon and some uh -huh. horror Christmas uh, films. And so that's going to be different than the very festive ones I've done for the past four years. And in January will be the best of 2015. Okay. Awesome. And of course, you can listen to Eric's show at cinematicsound.net. And you can find uh, Film Score Monthly online at fsmonlinemag.com. Uh, Edmund and Marius, thanks again for Edmund for you staying up till wee hours of the morning. <laughs> as, ah, I wouldn't as, miss it. As you always do. And Marius um, for staying up to the same hour as me. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so until we are together again, oh, and this will really feel good to say on this episode, may the notes be with you.